Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perotti. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hey, everybody. It is your good friend, Dr. David Proden from down here in the North Star Recording Studio. Wishing you well this evening. And I changed things up a little bit. You can see that my website is in yellow. And that is actually similar to the please subscribe and like i know it looks a little bit like a tornado warning i'm only kind of trying it out for the show otherwise i'll go back to the traditional color but I, I i wanted to check it out um so stands out a little bit there on the safety phd so nothing wrong here with your television or phone or if you're watching this at the jumbotron at the New England Patriots game. Everything's good. And uh, wishing you well here. Um, Ani Damp, um, December 12th here in Wisconsin. It's about 35 out, but it feels colder. Just this very damp weather. So um, just a shout out here to, uh, to people in the house. Let's go through and do a roll call. Jim Corey. Um, come on, mouse, keep going. Uh, Mike McLoon, Uke, Solitude Surfer, Burt Reynolds, and Magnum PI. All right, glad. And, and Sean Connery's in the house. Holy smokes, look at that. And Merle Haggard's in the house according to you. So, yeah, um, just, you know, it's kind of wintry, wintry weather, but we're not running into the really cold stuff right now. So, um, so today I'm going to go over a case study that I cover in my administrative legal classes. And I include this in, in two classes that I teach medical CBD oil in schools, because this is being prescribed more frequently by doctors, um, by MDs or DOs. Um, so it's not like a witch doctor, although I suppose it could be. I don't know about that, but um, but yeah. So, a, you know, a doctor's prescribing this and, and how schools are responding to this. And, and actually one of these, this is, wait a second, I don't know if I got my, my light, is is working back here. Hang on. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. I think I had the wrong, the wrong setting there on the remote control. Um, so we are going to talk about an uh, MD who prescribed CBD oil for a kindergarten girl. Um, and I'm going to bring up uh, so you can see an article, so you can actually put a, a face to this, the context of the girl. This happened in 2018. It's still, though, very relevant today because these issues have not been resolved in schools. 
So just a, a, an overview quickly. This girl um, was five years old, kindergarten age, had an epilepsy uh, disorder called Dravet syndrome. The doctor prescribed CBD oil for her to take. But part of that was it, it had to be like every four hours and it was, you know, via dropper, like under her tongue. And um, so it would be during the school day. She would need to receive this. And the school said, no, we're not going to administer it. And in addition to that said, she's not going to be in school um, unless we get like a doctor's. It was really a weird thing. So this is a time when I'm going to get your first reaction on this, which is probably similar to what I what I shared this in class. And then we're going to kind of unpack this, right? Of like, why did the school take this position of this five-year-old girl that she can't be in school because of this epilepsy disorder? And it was coupled then to the CBD oil um, treatment. And then um, where things went, they got really crazy, like much crazier than I would ever want things to be as a school administrator um, and how I think this could have been resolved and, and how I kind of worked through this with my students. Um, but this still happens today. This still happens today. I was on the phone this morning with a um, uh, businessman who has a hemp farm in our state. And he was talking about the, the issues where um, they're getting greater verification on the qualities of hemp oil and CBD and then THC derived from the, from that. But uh, he said, you know, we hold ourselves to a high standard, but not everybody does. And because the FDA is kind of on the outside, there is a lot of room for this to kind of move around. Uh, because I talked about this case study and I said, you know, would you be on the show? And he was open to it. Not tonight, you know, like a future show of saying, so what? what is... What is kind of the policy issue behind this? You know, what does the industry look like? Is it largely, you know, unregulated? Um, and if so, like, are these concerns kind of valid that, you know, maybe CBD oil is contaminated with other things um, or it has like a THC level in it that's above this 0.3%. So anyway, I think that'd be an, that'd be an interesting show. Um, so I'll tell you where I tend to fall on this position when I instruct students. So um, so uh, let's go over to the chat and then let's get into this, this case. So this case is Brooke Adams, Brooke Adams, who was five years old at the, at the time, Brooke Adams versus the Rincon Valley Union School District in California. That's a, that's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> hey, it's Misty Mrs. Wayne. Look at this. Hey, Misty Mrs. Wayne. So yeah. Brooke Adams versus the Rincon Valley Union School District. Really, it's her parents on behalf of Brooke, right, um, that that were challenging the, the district. This went all the way up to circuit court. So in schools, things that, in special education, things that get challenged can go to all the way up to a circuit court. And if it goes beyond that, it would go to the Supreme Court. And only 2% of cases ever make it out of a circuit court to a Supreme Court. So it's really rare. This got resolved at the circuit court level, which is still a pretty big deal. Uh, so we're going to talk about that um, in just a moment here. So again, Brooke Adams versus Rincon Valley School District. Um, and I teach this because 
People need to think about their professional discretion, best interests, and they also need to be reminded that Board of Education policy is not something that's set in stone. You can amend policy, and sometimes it makes sense to do that. So um, we're going to go through that. So let's go over here. Let's give a welcome to our good friend, Mike McClune. So welcome, Mike. Welcome, Corey. Welcome, Jim. And Misty, Mrs. Wayne, hey there. So, yeah, very good. Very good. So, appreciate all you guys. So, thank you very much. Um, an update here on the channel. So, um, for our monetization, we are about $35 between Super Chat, Super Stickers, and Ad revenue from having the channel receive a payout in 2022, which is pretty exciting. Um, it would be nice for the channel to to hit that. So we'll see. But I appreciate that you work through the ads. And maybe you're checking, oh, here's like a, a belt, right? Or here's some survival uh, cookies, right? You know, that, that are linked in or CBD oil, right? Because that's the hashtag for this show. It's probably getting a lot of that. Uh, but I, I do, uh, I do appreciate, um, I do appreciate that. So, um, any questions, you know, let me know, but, uh, let me go over to the chat and then let's get into, Hey, it's our good friend, Ron Wayne. So Ron Wayne is the Kentucky Batman. Here he is. Ron Wayne is the Kentucky Batman. So yeah, yeah. Drive, drives around, uh, Kentucky in a sleigh with a bat on it. It's actually pulled by nine bats. And uh, he delivers uh, gifts to all the neighborhood kids. And then uh, the bats and the slave fly back into a cave there. And then all's well. But uh, kind of a twist in Kentucky there on the traditional reindeer and Santa. It's actually a bunch of bats. Although they do go by the same names of Rudolph and Vixen. And one bat has a glowing red nose. And then uh, they're pulling around Ron Wayne on a sleigh. And if you've ever seen the movie Elf, it's actually nothing like that, but that's still a good movie. Um, and then Ron Wayne is just showering down all these gifts. And uh, and then he flies back into the cave and disappears in the night. So Ron Wayne, everybody, our good friend, Ron Wayne. So uh, it's our good friend, Sunflowers. Oh, my goodness, and Bending Ballistics. <laughs> I have not done the channel members feature yet. And yet is the key word on that because I will. I haven't, I haven't yet. Um, so, but uh, thank you. Thank you. So, and again, Yuke is in there. Yuke, send me some photos on the update on the staves or staves. Uh, that's going to be pretty gosh darn cool. So, all right, guys. Um, so let's get into, uh, let's get into this because this, so, All right. So imagine, you know, you're hearing this for the first time, which you probably are right now, but I use this as a case study each uh, year in my legal classes. So here's the deal. Okay. This, I'm going to read this and then I'm going to show you um, a story. So you actually get to see a picture of this girl. So you have context. 
So the case, this is from Rogaway Law Group, and this will be, it's cited in the description. It'll be cited in the blog post. Brooke Adams, Brooke Adams is a five-year-old girl diagnosed with Dravet syndrome, a rare and severe form of epilepsy. Brooke currently uses medicinal cannabis-derived CBD oil to significantly reduce the frequency of seizures and, and um, so what seizures and, no, oh, reduce. Um, so, and and the uh, medication can be used at, to as an emergency to to stop the seizure. So, the frequency and the severity of the seizures are less when she receives the CBD oil on a regular schedule. And then, if she does start to seizure, if they administer CBD oil, um, it can halt the seizure. So Brooke obtains both oils pursuant to a valid recommendation from a licensed physician. Okay. The Rincon Valley School District. So let me put it in here so you can. <laughs> the Rincon's like, no, doc, don't, we don't need to have you put our name in the chat. And I'm like, yes, you do. Uh, the Rincon Valley School District in California refused Get this, they refused to place Brooke on a district campus. So they, so they said, you can't be in any of our buildings. You're a kindergartner, but you can't come to kindergarten in any of our, you know, any of our buildings. Um, because it alleged that her medication was not permitted on school campus or a bus under both state and federal law. So we'll unpack that a little bit. Um, instead, in April of 2018, the district offered Brooke an indiv individualized education plan, IEP, which... Um, means that Brooke has a disability recognized under the Individuals with Disability Education Act. So they offer her a plan and it says, we will come to your house. We'll send somebody to your house one hour a day, every day, five days a week. That'll be your education. You're not going to get to hang out with your peers. We're not going to send peers to your house. We're not going to have you visit school for an hour, whatever. You get one hour, somebody coming to your house. That's it. So the parents said, no way, like that's not fair um, school, like that she only gets an hour and that you're not willing to work with us here on the CBD oil. We have documentation from the physician. We have our documentation clearly laid out indicating that, yes, the Brooke does benefit from the CBD oil as far as like decreased frequency of seizures and severity and so that was pretty rock solid. Like that wasn't in question at all. And um, and the district said, nope, can't do it. Um, and if, you know, take us to court basically is where they left it. So, hey, it's Vanessa Kitty. Say, so, hey, Vanessa, our good friend Andrew has arrived. He just got eating dinner with his family. What did I miss? So, well, we were going to send you out to get us dinner. So... I'm not sure what, what it was, but you're going to do a DoorDash for us. So I could go for a couple chili trees burritos right now. Kind of for that. I did change the color scheme up a little bit. I know it looks, you're looking at this and oh my God, is there like a severe thunderstorm coming through? And I'm like, no, it's just, it's kind of, <laughs> it's the color I went with. So let me, let me check. So what do you, what do you think here about, uh, about Brooke? Like, what would you, what would you do? Um, I don't know if that's any better. That's eh, kind of crazy right there. You know, that's not bad. I kind of like that. Although that does give off like 
tornado vibes also. It's a little less jarring than the than the yellow. So let's stick with that. So if you guys don't mind, if it really is bad, like tell me, Doc, I just I can't keep watching it, man. I think we're in a a severe thunderstorm here. So um I don't know. But what what would what do you think um what would you do if you were the parent and and this was your child and the doctor's saying, hey, you know, like, uh, you know, um, let's do this. Yeah, that's a little more. Uh, that's a little better. So stick with that. The red, the red's a little freaky, right? Is it just me? But <laughs> I don't want everyone to be like, oh my god, just wait a second, doc. I gotta. I got to check here because there's a tornado warning coming across the bottom of the screen. Um, so like, what would, what would you do if you're the, if you're the parent and uh, you know, or what would you do? You know, if, if, if you're the district, like, would, are you like, Oh my God, like, I think, uh, you know, I think the district was in the right, you know, CBD oil doesn't have a place in schools. If that's your policy, it's a policy. Or you're like, Hey, as a parent, like it should be there. So, um, so yeah, let's go over here to uh, Misty, Mrs. Wayne, who's saying that's denying her an education just because she has a disability. So that was the parents' claim, actually, in court, Misty, Mrs. Wayne. Um, they were saying, yeah, um, you're denying her what's called FAPE. And FAPE is a free and appropriate public education. And as uh, Brooke has a disability, uh, she would be entitled to FAPE under the Americans with Disabilities Education Act. So um, that was the uh, that was the parents' claim of saying you're denying your daughter an education under FAPE, which is a federal law part of IDEA, the Individuals with Disability Education Act. So good, that's the claim. Most of these claims either come out in two areas in special education law. One is FAPE, Free and Appropriate Public Education. The other is LRE, Least Restrictive Environment. And actually, this one had a little bit of both. Least Restrictive Environment is saying, you know, if a school says, oh, like, we're going to educate you, but you're going to be in the special education room for eight hours a day, and then you get 30 minutes at recess out with your non-disabled peers, like that could be argued that that's not the least restrictive environment. So this thing had a lot of issues going with it. Um, but you're right on, Misty, Mrs. Wayne. So let me uh, kind of knock that banner down there. So, all right, let me uh, get back in here. So um, Corey's like, I'd run for school board. Yeah, the school board. So the thing with the school board, this is a good point, Corey. So the school board has to, um, you know, they're the ones with policy. So at some point, the school's attorney probably approached the school board and, and the administrator and said, well, you have a choice here. You could change your policy. You could amend your policy and say, we're going to make a case-by-case uh, -case exemptions if deemed warranted by the superintendent and school nurse or whatever for medical um, CBD or something like that. I've seen that. I've seen that. Um, so... Yeah, um, look at this, your uke. Send me down a bag. Of, we're trying to get the show sponsored here by Doritos. So, um, 
yeah, free and public, free and appropriate public education. So this is where the parents um, were. What's called a due process complaint is basically a lawsuit against the school. It didn't have any like punitive areas with it. It's just trying to get the child into the school. They could sue civilly of saying, you know, like this had done harm and duress to her, and they didn't. Um, there's no negligence in this case, but uh, so let's go on. Uh, marijuana is a plant made by God, says Andrew. Has a purpose. Other drugs like meth, heroin, coke, smoke, snakes, needs, weeds, blizz, bang, zip, zoodles, zippies are doctor made. Bad news for people. Snape? Yeah. Coke comes from the earth too. Um, not condoning the use of it. So, all right. Gotcha. So here's the deal. So, um, so this, the parents said, hey, you're denying our daughter FAPE. So let's go over and, and start to give a context for this. So this is from the Press Democrat website. So let's do this. Um, okay. Let me do this. Clean this up a little bit. There we go. All right, so this is the uh, Press Democrat. That is, that's Brooke right there. And uh, so five-year-old Brooke not allowed in school because the school said, we will not administer the CBD oil either every whatever, four or six hours, whatever it was, or in an emergency to cease a seizure. We're not going to do it. Here's another picture of, uh, of Brooke. So this is from the Press Democrat. There she is. There she is. Uh, so, yep. Um, yeah. So. But anyway, just to, just to give a context. So this is the girl. Looks like Brooke has orthotics too. So there might have uh, been more than just the epilepsy happening here. But but they they were saying, you know, Brooke, you can't be in school. Um, just we're, we can't do it. Um, so, all right. So now we get to see that's Brooke. And Brooke was not allowed to be in school. Okay. So, wow. This is, this is big stuff. Um, so the parents then requested what's called a due process hearing. Uh, which is kind of like a lawsuit, but it's it just goes over special education procedure. Did the district consider the options for placement for the child? Did they make a reasonable determination and things like that? It's not meant to say, oh, district, you owe the parents $75,000 or something like that. It's all procedural. Um, and really, it's what the court looks for first, that the parents exhaust this right. So well within their, their means to do this and I, if they were talking to me, I'd recommend to them, yeah, definitely do a due process for FAPE and least restrictive environment. I think you've got a great case. So ultimately, um, the parents, it's all it's heard by a judge. It's not heard by a jury, administrative law judge. Um, so their argument was saying, hey, this is unreasonable that the district did this um, and Brooke should be in school. So um, when this happens, by the way, 
when this happens, the parents can do this themselves, but usually the parents hire a lawyer. They pay that out of pocket. The district automatically has a lawyer appointed to them by their insurance carrier through what's called an errors and emissions policy. So the district's saying, okay, you know, if you're going to litigate against us in this due process, then we'll just, our lawyer will step up and, and uh, you know, we'll take it from there. So that's one of the things I don't like in these due process hearings is if the schools lose, like it's the district's lawyer, or it's the district's um, insurance company that really just foots the bill. They pay for the attorney. And if there is a case where they have to pay something, like if the parents would take Brooke and have her to private school or something like that, the, the lawyer or the judge might say, you've got to reimburse the parents for that. But there isn't a lot of, uh, skin in the game here for the schools um, when these due process like these complaints happen because the school's just saying that's our policy and right you know it's state and federal law you can't have THC on campus point three and there's right but this isn't THC right this is CBD oil but they're saying well you know so you know this is what our policy is and our policy says no um, so that 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 bothers me in this because schools have a very high level of immunity. I know this, right, as a former school administrator and then teaching legal classes for aspiring school leaders. Um, so I think what happens in these cases, one is the district will kind of double down and triple down on their policy. And then they also know that if they do get sued, they're not paying for their own lawyer. I mean, if you're a district employee, that might happen if you go outside of your role as a teacher. You know, if a teacher hits a student or something like that, that's a civil suit against a teacher and the district could probably say, you're a, you know, you're acting on your own outside of your expectations here as a teacher, you know, if you if you hit a student, right? So um, you know, you're you're wide open to litigation. But in this case, right, the the district is is pretty well in their immunity bubble, I guess. So it's our good friend, Bacon Maldito. Welcome, Bacon. Um, so so here's, here's what happened again. Um, the girl is a kindergarten girl. She has Dravet syndrome, which is a form of epilepsy. The doctor prescribed CBD oil that did decrease her um, frequency and severity of seizures. And also it was an immediate way to halt her seizures. So it did have known medic medical benefit for her. She goes to school. The parents have a doctor's order and say, hey, administer this at school. And if she has a, an event, um, administer it, a seizure, administer this to her. And the school said, nope, we won't do it. Because again, it's against state law. It's against federal law. And apparently then assuming it would be against policy, but just saying, no, we won't do this. And that's actually not true. The whole state and federal law thing is administering THC is against federal, state and federal law. Um, but CBD oil, that was a murky area. So it's kind of, but here, here was, here's the claim by the district. So let me lay this out to you. So the, um, um, okay, let me, let me check the, uh, the chat here before we get going. CBD is used as a pain nullifier. Effects may vary. Some people see great success, others not so much. Yep. Um, and that's why I think it's a good point, Euclid. Like this would need to be a case-by-case -case basis if this was going to happen. 
Uh, I did a talk in my undergrad uh, degree about title, what does rope dope and teabag paper have in common? My goodness. Wow, Vanessa. Um, so some compounds in CBD do seem to be helpful to people. Yeah, and there's more research coming out um, on that by the day. It's our friend, the Kentucky Batman, Ron Wayne. Good friend, Bacon Maldito. Um, sorry, Doc, but I didn't sign that waiver. Wow. So good friend, Corey. So, yeah. All right. So, um, so let's get into, let's, let's look at this from the school's perspective. Um, what would be reasons you think the school would, would flat out deny this? The school's like, nope, we're not doing this. Um, cause there's a handful of reasons, right? The school actually has that they, they could present that are logical for why you wouldn't. Do. Well, let me back this up. First of all, most, when I ask students off the bat, I'm like, what do you think about this? Um, yeah. And, and Mike is bringing up a good point here. Um, for those of you, you know, in safety sensitive jobs, you're driving a forklift, whatever, CBD can have trace amounts of THC, which can trigger positive on most drug tests. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. So Mike, Mike hit the nail on the head for an argument that the school would have. The school could say, listen, CBD oil is not regulated by pharmacies. Pharmacies are regulated by the states, not FDA. The manufacturing of drugs is regulated by FDA, but pharmacies are regulated by the state. So FDA does not regulate CBD oil and um, pharmacies do not distribute CBD oil. So there's no higher organized regulation process for CBD oil. So it's, all, and I, and I verified that today. I talked with, with uh, again, a hemp grower um, in Wisconsin and, and we went through that for about 30 minutes. So that's one of the big issues in here where the, from a, first, first of all, right, as we hear this, does it seem unreasonable to you that the school would keep the student out? We, you just saw her, five-year-old Brooke. Does it seem like the school, like that made sense? I mean, like, should Brooke have been kept? So when I do this case study, I pause in it, and then I might give a piece of paper out to every student, right, a little note card or something, and just, you know, say, hey, like, should what do you think? Should Brooke have been kept out of school or should a school have done something to, to bring her in with her peers? And then, you know, you could, it's not all conditional. It has to be like kind of yes or no. Um, so that's one thing I do. So maybe we can do that now. So do you think, do you think the school was right in saying, yeah, we can't keep uh, Brooke out? Um, so give me a yes or no if you think the school did the right thing by saying we can't have her administered, we can't have the CBD oil with her here. We're not going to administer CBD oil. It's so. All right. Solitude has said yes. The school did, the school made the right decision, or, or at least like a, a decision that they could, you know, get something behind and, and be legitimate with it. Corey is saying no. Uh, Misty Mrs. Wayne is saying the main reason they don't want to fool with it is they're lazy and responsible and too much responsibility for them might come up with other excuses. 
Okay. Like, um, would you say that how they would check that it was not like tampered with Mrs. Misty, Mrs. Wayne or that, cause, cause actually this is a pretty easy drug to administer. Um, because right, it's, it's under the tongue. It's it's lingual, and she would she would take it. It's not like through an IV. Um, some students who have seizures, it's, there's a diastat medication, and that is a rectally inserted uh, medication. That's true. Um, and schools have that in plans for kids. But so this is a pretty easy to administer medication. Although I don't know what it's like to administer as somebody's having a seizure some. CBD orally, but anyway, um, hell no. So Corey's answering twice. Bolo is here. So in order for you to show up the drug test, you'd have to ingest copious amounts of it. So talking about that. Okay. All right. So let's, um, let's get into this. And here's, here's where you could argue that the school um, was validated, right? Um, in, in their, in their argument, you could say, listen, the state and the federal government don't say anything about this. Um, uh, let me actually bring this up, uh, which is pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> I don't know if it's amazing as much as it's just sad, but, uh, the feds don't say anything ab about CBD oil. They do say, you know, if it's 0.3 THC, then, and school officials administering anything with point above 0.3 THC in it, then it becomes a, uh, I guess, uh, there's a felony. I don't know if it's a class four or whatever, but, and, and the school personnel then, you know, could lose their license, could have, I don't know, be arrested, all that stuff. So, um, so that's one thing. So let me, let me bring up the, I took a couple screen grabs here, which are, are pretty relevant. So here we go. And here we go. Okay. So, um, this is from the, was, now, this isn't from California, but this is from the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction, but it is from 2018, the same time this was happening. Um, and I kind of looked, like when we, we talk in class, this is was pretty standard across the U.S. So this is a bulletin put out by the Department of Public Instruction, a six-page bulletin, and this was on page five. So the, the DPI here... Um, said, they, it started out and said, hey, we get a lot of questions about like, should CBD oil be administered by teachers and, you know, on school premises? And basically when they they came, they came down to it, they said um, that Wisconsin school medication law 11829, again, this is Wisconsin, but this is pretty similar kind of across the board. Wow. There we go. Um does not address self-caring or self-administration medications. Okay, got it. Um, but basically, it came down at the end. CBD oil on campus and under what circumstances and what documentation is required? Medical certificate, pharmacy-labeled container, et cetera. So 
Um, I in the yellow here. There are many factors to consider before allowing the use of CBD oil by students or staff with an exclamation point. This is again from the Department of Public Construction in Wisconsin, 2018. Again, due to the complexity, districts are advised to seek their own legal counsel. What does that say? That says the DPI is too terrified, too chicken to make, make a real statement on this. They just said, work it out with your lawyer. We're not going to have any part on this. We're not going to rule on this. We're not going to give you any advice. You're on your own. And, uh, you know, good luck. But we're not going to say anything on this. Although, like, a lot of districts are asking this of us, this very question, which they acknowledged earlier in this. And they wait till page five to get into it and basically do a good luck. And they're not the only state. Other Texas and some others had similar statements. But, uh, and I don't think that's right. I think as a state department of public instruction, you and your organizations at a state level, school board organizations, things like that, they should look at this and say, listen, this is a real, uh, this is a hot topic, right? And also, um, you know, let's let's give some guidance to districts on this. If they want to do this, like here's, here's what we think could be a best practice. It doesn't have to constitute legal advice, I guess, but uh, they're not saying like, here's a sample policy or anything. They're just basically saying, go to your lawyer. You and your lawyer work this out. We don't want any part of it. And uh, man, I just, I do not like when state departments of public instruction do this. And the feds don't, you know, say anything except <laughs> if it's got THC in it, right? You know, then it's, then it's um, you know, 0.3 or above, you know, it's a, it's a crime. Um, so, so as a school district, right, you know, the state doesn't have your back. The Department of Public Construction State is just like, you're on your own. So that's one of the reasons why these school districts don't take a stronger position on this to do the right thing because they don't feel the state has their back and the feds are kind of out of the picture, but they don't feel the states have their back. And I would have to agree with them. I think this is a, this is a horrible thing to do. Um, and, you know, this, you've got to take this on as a department of public construction, this is from the Wisconsin department, the school nurse um, there and uh, update three, 2018, you've got to take this on, right? You've got to give guidance on this other than, Oh, just go check what your attorney's doing because this isn't going away. This is going to continue and continue and continue. And in my opinion, right, this isn't bad. What uh, the, the, doctors prescribing and what the parents are requesting. This is very reasonable. And they have evidence of the benefit of this. You know, and someone could say, well, what if you, well, you know, what if it's cocaine they're administering or heroin or whatever, but they're not. Like, don't, don't try to link it to something else. It's CBD oil. CBD oil in it of itself is not illegal. If it does have the 0.3 above THC in it, yes. But we're just saying straight CBD oil. And the state's like, you're on your own. So I don't like that at all. I don't like this at all. Or the state then needs to step up and, you know, work on some uh, guidance on how to, what you'd expect for um, some type of testing measure for this, some certificate, some third-party certification, or else have the doctor take on some responsibility of, you know, the the doctor signing off on something. But, you know, it's like when kids bring in a prescription or they bring in, you know, like a, 
uh, liquid Tylenol or, or NyQuil or something to DayQuil and they tell the parent, they tell the school nurse to give it. You know, they're not checking that thing for purity to see if it's anything's been added to it. You know, I'm not saying that's that's likely, but I'm just saying. So I don't like this. I, I don't like the state's response on this. This isn't just Wisconsin, but I don't like that at all. That really rubs me the wrong way. Um, I don't know about you guys. Maybe you got a different take on it, but I don't like that at all. I think that's that's unacceptable. I think it's okay if you're the state to say one thing, like, uh, hey, we're getting, which they said, we're getting a lot of inquiries about this and we're going to look into it. We're going to develop and and then if you do go this route, here's some districts that did it. Here's some sample policies. You got your legal counsel, put something together. But I think this whole thing of saying, you know, we're going to have our, uh, you got to figure this out, district, we're not going to have any part of this. We're not going to have your back. That's a bad message to send from a Department of Public Instruction because then as a district, you're like, <laughs> well, we got to appeal this to the state. State's going to, they're not going to help us out, right? I mean, they're pretty overtly saying that. So let me go over here to, um, this is a this is a policy that's in our state. So with one of the school districts, let me go through this. This is a, a school district in, as far as like um, administering prescription drugs and this policy says the following substances shall not be administered by school personnel or allowed at school in any school sponsored activity. Cannabis containing can, cannabis containing and cannabis derived products such as CBD oil, herbal supplements such as psychoactive effect kava, but the CBD oil. So this is a district in my state, which has it right in their board policy. So you can't have CBD oil. So, so yeah, you know, you can have that that exists in policy. So, you know, we're, we're acknowledging that That's, that's the district does have that they have policies and, um, and also what a district could, could a nurse in the district could say, I'm not going to administer this because, you know, if it does have any, if it has THC, it is, is not the purity of it's not measured by a pharmacy. What if it has mercury in it? I don't know, but it has student has a negative reaction. I could lose my license. And I could, you know, is the district going to pay for me um, for my defense and all of that? So, so there are issues in this from a district side. Um, and yeah, so anyway, just to put out the district perspective on that, I can see where the district would say no to Brooke and the CBD oil. Um, so anybody have any, any, Thoughts on uh, thoughts on that? So that's what they that's what they did. Now I don't know all their all of their defense. They just said it was against state and federal law, which I don't know if that was the best way to go about it. But um, but anyway, that was their thing. And and behind the scenes, what usually happens in this case is like you know the school nurse will say, hey, like if school you got to have my back, like you got to pick up a, a insurance policy that if if you know I'm sued on this and some or the drug dogs come in and they're going through and they find that just this has THC in it that I'm not losing my job and losing my license and my livelihood. You know, I, you've got to have my back district and the district is saying, uh, maybe, you know, they go to their board, but then the district, the state doesn't have their back. So anyway, then Brooke ends up one hour a day at home. Um, so betting ballistics, Mike, I'm not sure. I'm not a doctor. So it's our good friend, Bending Ballistics, who is a doctor. So, a disco doctor. He's got dance fever. 
Um, so yeah, thanks. That was awesome. Theater sound, 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 sound. Ron Wayne, 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 Wayne. Um, what happens if a student is allergic to something in a classroom? So allergies, yeah. So I could do a whole show on, on allergy management. I should. I, I We cover that in class. I actually have a case study in my spring class where we go over um, an allergy-centered case study. But, uh, but the district is required to remove the allergen as possible from the setting or to provide the student a setting which does not expose them to the allergen um, to the to an, a reasonable extent right i mean if if it's a allergy to dust or something like that right that might get circulated through a hvac system i mean um yeah so there's going to be a, a reasonable expectation that the school is going to to address like a peanut allergy or if a student's allergic to clay or if it's a food allergy that that would be um, documented and they would have substitutes for that and those type of things would be put in restricted areas for where they'd be prepped and then also in schools. Uh, it's a good question though, Vanessa. I'll, I'll work on that one a little bit more and I'll actually share the case study out that I that I use on that one in a different show, but thank you. Um, Corey's saying, was that not administered by school personnel. So, um, Mike, I am a believer in cannabis products myself and have their health benefits. I just unfortunately cannot benefit from them as long as marijuana is a class one narcotic under federal law. So again, Mike has this class one narcotic. So this is where the school is saying, if this becomes marijuana, right, if it gets over to that THC limit, there's THC in here, this now could be that the school has agreed to have this and it's one thing, right, if it comes from a pharmacy and there's some contamination there because then you go, you would expect the pharmacy would have purest, you know, purity and they're regulated by the state. It really becomes a pharmacy issue unless it's tampered with between when the pharmacy gave it to the parent and the parent gave it to the school. So in this case, right, they're like, hey, um, the school's like, this is too big of a risk for us to risk for us to take, right? Um, and that's actually what I heard when I talked to the the um, the co-owner of a of a hemp THC CBD business today. I mean, not business as in like a a distributor, as in they grow it, they refine it, and then they sell it. So from the, from that perspective, saying, yeah, I mean, unless you're going through third party you know, processes to measure this, there could be CBD that has some level of, of THC or other things in it. So, um, so anyway, the schools say can't be here. Um, so the, uh, the parents take the school district to court. And um, what, do you, what do you guys think happened in, uh, in court? So how do you think this court case uh, worked itself out? What do you think the judge said? Yeah, Rin, Rin, it's Rincon Valley. Yeah, Half Mile Sniper. It's Rincon Valley there in California. I think it's Rincon. Um, let me see here. Um, yeah, R-I-N-C-O-N. Rincon Valley Union School District. So, so just to give us a context again, there's 
there's uh, Brooke, and they said, can't be in school. You, we will not administer CBD in school. So if that's the case, then, you know, you can't be here. If the, so she was provided one hour of education at home. Someone from school came to her house. So how do you think this, uh, how do you think this came out when the, uh, it got to the courts? So Mike McClune, no PB and J. Yeah. I would hope he agrees with the parents, but nowadays I doubt it. So yeah. How do you think this one worked out? What do you think happened in, in this case? Um, did the parents prevail? Did the school prevail? Did the judge resign? Did they call in the Kentucky Batman? What do you think happened? So, um, Solitude Surfer is accurate. Is accurate in this. So the um, so the case here of. Uh, the case of Brooke Adams, again, this this uh, five-year-old, this kindergarten girl who was not allowed to be in school because um, the doctor prescribed CBD oil as a preventive measure. And she, it was documented she had fewer seizures of, and of less intensity. And then also as an emergency medication in case she had seizures to terminate those seizures. School said we can't do it. CBD is not regulated. It's against state and federal law, we're not going to administer it. So she doesn't, she doesn't go to school. Parents sue the school saying you're not providing her an education. And believe it or not, the parents prevailed. The administrative law judge said, um, so the administrative law judge said, school, you need to pr provide an education where She's with her same age peers, and you've got to figure out how to do that. This argument of the CBD oil um, and seizures isn't uh, isn't cutting it. So you know the ju the judge didn't say like you've got to figure out a plan, um, but the judge did grant a temporary um, order that allowed the student to do this. Let me copy that over. And then eventually, I think the school amended their uh, their policy for this. So, um, so here's here's the deal. So, yeah, and this 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 case, and this is in the uh, is uh, Brooke Adams, uh, basically, but her parents. This is near Santa Rosa. Um, versus the Rincon Valley Union School District, 2018. So I use this as a case study. Um, and we walk through this, right? What would you, what are the issues of this case? Well, one is FAPE. So you're denying her access, access to an education with her peers. And then, you know, what's the other deal? Like, you know, what if you're an administrator and you meet with your school nurse and the school nurse is like, I'm not touching that, Dave. I could lose my license. Sunflowers will turn me in or bolo. Like someone, you know, or what if the drug dogs come on campus and they hit on the THC thing and now we have a, right, we have um, a 
class one, you know, narcotic on campus, which I approved of and I've been administering. I'd lose, I'd lose my license. I might not ever work again. Who's going to have my back? And, you know, is the school going to defend me? And, you know, all of this stuff. And, and then like, so some students will say, well, you could test if it had THC. And I'm like, you're right, you could. Although like I talked to a few um, school resource officers and they said, yeah, the only thing is if you tested the CBD oil and it would either come up positive or negative for THC. If it came up positive, it doesn't tell you, oh, it's 0.14, so it's okay. It only says positive or negative. So schools doesn't have a whole lab to try to figure this out, right? Um, so, you know, that's another issue with this. So the, so the school, um, lost on this and then they were, you know, the student needed to be back, but, uh, let me, let me get into this then of, and let me know what you, what you're thinking, you know, because I, you know, I want to, I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, what do you, um, how could, how could this have been fixed? What are, what are some ways that this issue could be resolved? Um, so I think there's, and I'll start out before we get to school level. I think the first one is there's either a federal statement that comes out from the department of education saying, Hey, um, we are aware, and this is very prevalent across the country. Um, we are aware that, CBD oil is a medically prescribed um, uh, prophylactic treatment for epilepsy as well as emergency um, medication or, or administered as a medication by what a physician would declare as a medication for students. Um, and because of that, schools here's like a sample policy. If you are obtaining, you know, if the parent provides CBD oil to you and it meets whatever condition, you know, it's come from somewhere and they say that they have this testing thing, uh, you'll, and it's, and the doctor's signing off for it and they know also where it's coming from, we will hold you harmless. I'm, this doesn't exist by the way, but saying we would hold you harmless in the event that it does contain THC. So I also was checking, you know, like what would be the the ramifications if this did contain THC? So of course, you know, they're and it, Brooks not very big, right? So THC could have a hallucinogenic or fatigue type, you know, that could bring on her. But it's likely not to be, as the physician would probably say, it's not going to be devastating to her. Not, but you know, the other argument is, well, what if there's some other things in here, like mercury or some of these things that these chemicals that are used as they're distilling some of this stuff down. Well, that's, that's legit. I mean, if it's not regulated through a pharmacy, like through a FDA or a state organization. So, but, um, you know, I think there needs to be, again, I'm, people will argue, let's say, Dave, you're not right on this. I don't know. But um, my position would be, there needs to be a federal exemption on this, a case by case thing. And then also states need to step up and say, listen, you have a doctor's, order for this if there's evidence that's saying this does benefit the child medically um then you know there's state exemption 118.214 which allows almost a good samaritan exemption or something so 
anyway, to me, it's the right thing to do. Will legislators dirty their hands with it? No. Are any of the state organizations taking you up? No. Is anybody super chatting or stickering? No. It's kind of all in the same vein. But uh, I don't know, man. So I, I think that's federal or at least at a state level. Step up and pass, you know, whatever here. Um, Brooks Law, you know, saying if you're a school district and you're case by case and whatever, and, and you know, you're administering this, then you have immunity. So, but, um, but anyway, so that's the first. And then um, what do you, so that's the first thing. And then what do you think the district could have done? Like the school nurse or the principal or superintendent or board of education? Like what were options they had? When I say that, I this district doubled down and I, I see this a lot. Districts double down on things. And then they're just like, I'll double down on this. I'll double down on this position. Instead of like pausing and saying, well, maybe we need to consider this. We need to dig into this. Maybe there's a different way we could go about this. And then you also hear this. Well, if we make this exemption or exception for this you know, girl, then we're going to have to do it for everybody. And I'm like, I hate when people say that because usually it's like the whole thing, like, oh, if we, if we allow one student to bring in their, you know, um, comfort pig or snake, then every student's going to do it. And that's usually not the way it works out. Um, so don't tell me everyone's going to do, every kid is going to bring in CBD oil with a doctor's order because Brooke has CBD oil. I highly doubt that's going to happen. So, um, okay. So the school, let's go over to anyone comment on this in the chat. So nut allergies are pretty high. Overall al allergies are, God, I'd have to go back and I have this in the spring class, but some form of allergy is in the teens. Um, Mike and for you, allergies are higher for younger kids and higher than they've ever been. And not just peanut allergy, but peanut, latex, milk, shellfish. There's a whole range of allergies. But um, this is true, Mike. In the school district next to us, in their kindergarten or preschool class five years ago, 80% of the kids had some type of allergy. So that's just, it's, it is much more prevalent. Um, allergy, aware, allergy Awareness Month is April, by the way, which I think is crazy for schools. Cause like it's way too late to address things. Like it should be in fall, but, um, Jim is right. They just should admit the air. I'm, I'm with you. This is where I talk with the aspiring school leaders and say, listen, there's sometimes you just got to look at this and say, you know what? We messed up. And the parents aren't, they're not suing you for a million dollars. They're not putting your name in the paper and they're not, I mean, they're just saying, bring, you know, we want broken school and you got to sit down but this is where the attorneys can kind of mess with the school a little bit. Like the school's own attorney could be like, I don't know, you know, let's let the judge kind of make the decision on this. And you don't have to let it go that far. Like what I think the school should have done and what I would have done is I would have, I would have followed what Jim is saying here. I would have, I would have sat down and said, listen, is, can we get, um, let's talk to the doctor, what the doctor thinks, right? Let's get a statement from the doctor of what if this does have 
THC, a rare outside chance that, that would have that. What's the consequence? Because, right, if he's like, oh, like 0.3 THC could be fatal to Brooke, well, then that adds another layer to this, but that's likely not going to be the, the statement. Um, and, you know, then we look at our policy and, if our, you know, our policy, and we also talk to our school liaison officer, maybe our local police, and say, listen, we have a student here and she is, we have this from a doctor and here's our rationale for why we would administer this. But right. There's a chance this might have some THC in it. We don't believe it does, but we want you to know, and then let law enforcement know, let their liaison officer know. Um, and so the liaison officer can say, okay, in this specific situation, then we understand. And so, and we're not going to, we're not going to go any further with it. Now people will probably like cut this, segment out of the show and they'll send it, send it right to lawyers in the state and fed. But these, these agreements do get worked out again. No one is trying to harm Brooke. This, the risk reward for Brooke here is the, the risk is the reward is significantly higher and the risk does not involve, you know, uh, harm, uh, harm to the student. Right. So the risk, the, the reward is she's with her peers and also that she is having consistency in her routine of having this CBD in her system and less severe, less frequent seizures. So much higher reward than risk. So done, you know, kind of like what Jim is saying, admit it. And then you have to go back to your school board and say, listen, and this is where you sit down with your attorney and your attorney's like, well, you know, we could, and the attorney wants to get paid. Because the school, the attorney is getting paid out of the school's coffers on this, out of their errors and emissions insurance. So, you know, that's another thing here. And you sit down with the attorney and say, listen, you work for us. So here's the deal. We want Brooke to be in school and we want the CBD oil in school. So, like, what does that look like from a legal standpoint? And if they hem and haw around, get another attorney. I have no time for that stuff. So, um, you know. And then, uh, so you say, well, here, you know, nothing is, is foolproof, right? Cause the state doesn't really have your back or the feds or whatever, but in this case, right, you got to make some decisions. And, uh, and then, and so you sit down and say, we're going to amend our policy, our board of education policy. <gasps> Ooh, we're going to amend a policy. And then it gets real spooky. It kind of gets, it, this is what happens when you try to amend a board policy. Ooh, it gets real spooky. And like a bird, a crow flies over. So it goes, you know, and then this happens. So, I mean, as people are like, what, what? You're, you're trying to amend a policy? So, you know, policies are not meant to be written in stone. My question is, why do so many kids have peanut and nut allergies now anyway? So, good question. I don't know, Mike. Um, you know, a prevailing argument is kids have less exposure to different allergens when they're younger. Um, the processed foods, right, is another argument on that. But, uh, but yeah, it's the numbers. It's a hockey stick, man. It is. It is just crazy um, how many students have um, different allergy conditions. So it's. Um, epidemic level, people don't really talk about that a lot, but uh, um, yeah. So let's go over here in the 
the chat. Um, California schools are scared to death of lawsuits. This is Admiral Sniper. When the, when my oldest was seven, he broke his arm on the bars. School wouldn't even say anything other than he fell. I asked if he could move his fingers. No, no. Okay, so Rocoli smokes. Yeah. Well, I think there is a fear of loss lawsuit definitely in this. The district feels they have exposure in this. Um, so, and wow, wow. Uh, Jim is saying, I'm convinced it's all lead, mercury, and other chemicals in municipal water supplies. It's my hypothesis, making people sick. So something's changed, right? Something's, something's going on. Um, um, so let's, um, so how could you fix this? Board of Education policy can be amended. So you can do that. And that is not a complicated process. So you basically come in as a superintendent. You get informed by your school nurse. You maybe ask your legal counsel, what might a policy look like that would say the superintendent and school nurse could make a case-by-case -case determination, which exists for almost all comfort animal policies, by the way, that I've seen, that exact language. This isn't comfort animal, but saying. Um, and, and then you'd have to have some assurance there from your board that they've got the, the back of whoever's administering the medication. Ultimately, it's the nurse who's responsible, even if it's a delegable nurse act, a nurse says, here, like office secretary, you can administer this because I'm only in the building, you know, one day a week, I'm in other buildings, so you have to administer it. But uh, so, you, you know, giving some protection there, probably working with your school liaison officer, local police or something, but, but you could do this. You could, you could put this policy in place saying, we'll do it on a case by case basis. We need this from the doctor. And then once you have that, you are educating the, the student, right? And um, so these things can happen. So that's where I would go on this. And I, um, I tell people, first of all, like, you're acting in the best interest of the child and you're using your discretion. Now there's a lot of times in schools or just in life or in jobs, you know, but you're not going to have things that are going to line up with the law exactly. Right. Um, you don't know how the law is going, how things will be interpreted by a judge or a jury or whatever. And, and uh, you know, again, that statement from the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction saying, we don't, we're not telling you you can't administer CBD oil in school. We're just telling you if you do, you're on your own. You got to talk to your lawyer. You got to come up with some protocol for it. And if it comes to us, <laughs> we're really probably not going to say much about it. It's going to come back to you. So, um, so that's the thing. And a lot of districts, right, they're just going to, they're, they're, I've got to believe in my heart of hearts that the Rincon Valley School District believed this was the wrong thing to do. And they just doubled down and their legal counsel is probably telling them to stick with it, right? And, uh, and you know, if the parents prevail, then what? You know, it's not punitive damages. They're not going to get, like, every member of the board or the principal isn't going to have to pay $100,000. Um, so... You know, I think that's where this stuff goes is, uh, you know, people. But anyway, amend a board policy and do it case by case and get this kid in school. And um, 
you know, and that's, that's kind of the end of it. And this doesn't have to be this big hoopla, but so, you know, I go through this with students and say, there's, I don't want to say hill you die on, right. But this is a hill you've got to fight on. And it not only stops, there's a few things. One, you have to, you have to take this on with your school lawyer. If your lawyer is saying, well, you know, I see my internet's getting a little blinky. So I don't know what the hell that's about. Um, come on. <laughs> so, you know, it's a landline here, but my neighbors must be downloading the trilogy of Back to the Future. So it's gotten a little stronger. Um, yeah, we're back. It's Chad Elkins. Chad, I'd like to have you on the show sometime. We need more THC and less CBD. Chad Elkins. So $600 reportable. Chad is going to, uh, I'd love to have Chad on the show. Actually, I had a couple topics. Um, I'd have to, I had some show notes here. I was going to contact you, but <laughs> I forget what it, oh, the hardship of a hardship uh, withdrawal, right, of, um, of understanding what the parameters are on a hardship withdrawal. And also like for people's mental health and just, I, I think there's this area where people are, are so terrified to touch um, money that might be in a retirement account, although they might be under great personal anguish because of a situation. So that's where I was going to ask Chad if he would come on a future show and maybe just talk about this whole hardship withdrawal because I, I think people get terrified from it. And sometimes it's in your best interest to know what that involves, right? Uh, so, but uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I thought I took the sticker thing off here. Sorry. You're like, Doc is priming the pump here for uh, for a super chat. Yeah. So I only need uh, $35 more in super chat or ads combination to get a payout before the end of, December, and then it would count on my taxes. Chad says as a 1099 um, schedule 22. So yeah, well, thanks. I will definitely. So do I drive a Buick or DeLorean? I drive a Buick, which is again, a very big car. Drive a 2017 LaCrosse, which uh, if you, if you just look up the measurements on that, it is a huge car. It's very difficult to park because it's it's pre-sensor days. So like I'll go in a parking lot and then I'll be like, oh, I could have pulled up four feet or, you know, it's just, it's even in my, in my garage, it's a, it's not an easy car to park. It's a great car. Cause it's got a V6, 310 horsepower, you know, big engine, big, big boat. But, uh, but even our, our SUV is like two feet smaller than that car. But uh, so. Ron, the money's gone. Look at this here. The Kentucky Batman is giving it all to the big red container outside of the Walgreens. Guy's generous. Turns his pockets inside out, and then he took his pants off and threw them in the bucket. So, but then they're like, hey, dude, dude, pants back on. Can't go in the store without pants. But it's just kind of guy Ron Wayne is. is give you the shirt off my back. Got to wear a shirt also. He's like, how about this, how about this bat? They're like, I don't know. Keep the bat. So, uh, so yes, school boards do not just say, well, that's our policy. 
and especially on this. So we go through then, I go through with the students, right, who are aspiring school. And then inevitably, some of them will go back and they'll talk to their lawyers and their lawyers will be like, whoa, like, I don't know what your professor's talking about there. Or like, yeah, I guess you could do that. And I'm like, you have the say on stuff like this over your legal counsel. Your legal counsel does not rule over you. They guide you. They give you options. But of course, they're going to put you in a very defensive position on this of saying, well, let the court figure it out. Right. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I was just not the game that I play. I'm like, no, you know, you should have got the kid in school. There's ways to do this. Change your policy case by case basis, get a doctor to write a note, um, get some verification from the CBD oil, the company that's getting this out and go with it and then advocate to the state send a letter, certified letter to the state and then to your state school board organization, these other organizations that you pay thousands of dollars to be a part of and um, and say, listen, come up and make a statement on this. Help us out. Give some sample policy and some sample guidance on this. Like we're not the only ones. There are hundreds, if not thousands of districts around the country who are dealing with this right now. And every one of those districts knows the right thing to do. And they also know the state doesn't have my back. The feds don't have my back. And you're a school nurse. And I can get it, right? You're a school nurse. And you're like, listen, I'm not going to administer this. Or I'm not going to let someone administer this. Because right if it is any part of THC, it's a class one felony. And I'm going to lose my license. Or I could. And you know, imagine this in the paper. Nurse approves marijuana administered to kindergartner. That's never a good headline. Um, so... Yeah, underneath the headline is like, Chad Elkins becomes the first billionaire CPA of Chicago. So that's the headline you got to refocus everybody to. But uh, so anyway, you know, so you could frame it out. The bottom line in this is you got to use discretion, best interest. You got to do the right thing. You've got to do the right thing. Um, and if you're not in this business to do the right thing, then... And I get it. People be like, Dave, like, you know, I'm three years from retirement, right? Um, or if my nurse refuses, I lose this nurse, we're not going to have a nurse. Like we, there's nobody. And if, um, so, you know, the nurse walks because of this, or what if the nurse files a lawsuit against the district saying this isn't in my job description? And I mean, there's a lot of ways this, this could go, but there's also a lot of ways it could just be resolved. And that's the way a lot of things happen if you're just sensible about them. And I think it was Jim who said from an early standpoint of admit you're wrong. And I don't think you even have to say you're wrong. Just say, you know, we're going to gather more information about this. You talk to some districts that have done this, you know, and you, you say, we're going to become more informed with this. And in the best interest of this student of Brooke, this is what we're going to do. And you work from there and it, you know, but, uh, but this one particularly gets under my skin because, again, the feds just, you know, I don't expect my, my bar of expectations from the feds and the U.S. Department of Ed, not that high anyway. So, um, or whether this be the, 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 an FDA exemption, I don't know. But, you're, but the state could, could do an exemption on this. You know, it's, it's like when the state came in and said, just recently in Wisconsin, but this is other states um, that have done this, uh, Pennsylvania, where they said you can you can put EpiPens in 
AED boxes or in public places, right? You don't need any special train, not EpiPens, um, Narcan. You don't need any special training. You can put Narcan in um, in places. So if people think someone's overdosing, they can grab Narcan and, and do that. Like libraries is one thing, but then people are trained. But, but they broaden that out. Like it's kind of under a Good Samaritan thing now. And I'm like, you could, there's in that same vein of thinking is the solution to this problem. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this one really, really irks me. And, you know, thankfully her parents did challenge it. And thankfully the judge had common sense, right? That's something too. I look at these cases and I, there's a number of cases we go through because I, in the one class I, I have students take a case and I pick all these cases up by hand. Right. So I have like, you know, 20 cases and I'm like, pick one of these and do a presentation on it. And here's what I want you to address. Like, and uh, so I know like these cases inside and out. And I know some of them that just totally went sideways where it seemed completely obvious of how the, how it should be resolved. And the judge is saying, nope, like uh, I'm just going to dismiss it. Or, you know, I'd be like, what? Like, I don't, I, you know, so that's a thing is like, even though I think we kind of saw, or at least that I, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, you should have done something, made efforts to get Brooke into school. Um, yeah, you know, and, and I thought the judge would rule on the side of the district or on the side of the parents, right. Of saying this is unreasonable. Um, and thankfully the judge did do that, but you never know the judge, cause it's an administrative law judge. It's not a jury. So if you get an administrative law judge who isn't a fan of, CBD oil for some reason, you know, they could rule for the district on this. And then the parents would have to appeal, you know, potentially to the Supreme court to, to hear this. So that's the thing is, you know, you can't, you never know how this stuff will really work out. You just have to, it's pretty scary to say, I have to faith in the system, right? I don't know, man. But, um, but in this one, it seemed pretty obvious in the judge, but this was a big case. Anytime in special education law or in school law, there is a circuit court ruling, okay? Circuit court. Um, there are seven circuit courts. I don't know if I can find my circuit court map here. So let me see if I can snag one. Um, circuit breakers. I don't want circuit breakers. Um let me try to get a map here. Yeah, here we go. This will work just dandy. Okay, let me bring this up so you guys get an idea of what's what I'm. Oh, yeah, it's not bad. Okay, just a second. All right. So here's how this works. And uh, all right. Mr. And Mrs. Wayne is saying, Doc, if we ever talk on the phone face to face one day, I'll tell you how I'm so involved in this in this story. This story or like in uh, the velocity of information. But yeah, I would love to do that. Either way. So thank you, Misty, and Mrs. Wayne. So um let me let me go through this because a lot of people, when students don't know about this, they know they're circuit courts, right? But they're usually never involved in a circuit court lawsuit, but some are. <laughs> so there, no, there's 11 circuit courts. Um, and it's, 
you can you can see like they were developed earlier because obviously there's Ninth Circuit Court covers California, Oregon, Washington, heavy, pretty populous area. But so, so the Ninth Circuit Court is what heard this hearing, right? So you have eleven circuit courts, and then if the circuit, the parent could appeal it to the Supreme Court, could push it up to the Supreme Court. Now, what will largely happen here is a district doesn't want to deal with that. The district is looking at this and they're like, we're not going to take this to the Supreme Court. I mean, um, and so whatever a circuit court decides on a case like this, other circuit courts look at that. So if this case comes up in Texas, which is the Fifth Circuit Court down here, this this in a similar case did come up in Texas. Texas says, let's see who else, what other courts might have dealt with this. And they're like, oh, California, Rincon Valley. Um, okay, this is how this is what California did. This is how they determined it. So we're going to say, based upon how California in Brooke Adams versus Rincon Valley Union School District, we're going to follow the same process that they did um, for how they determine free and appropriate public education and their conclusions. So once a once a circuit court sets this, it's rare, it's very rare that another circuit court would would go against it if it's like very similar. So you'd have to say basically very similar case. So another a kid comes in CBD oil prescription, right? And seizures and so like, because the Ninth Circuit Court did that in 2018, that makes it a lot easier for states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Maine and Florida to advocate to their for their schools to change policy and to do things to keep a Brooke Adams, a kid with seizures, in school and administer CBD because they're going to look at this case in the Ninth Circuit Court and they're going to say, well... And if you do want to run it up, again, it's likely that the local circuit court that serves your state would follow precedents set by another state. It's not a guarantee, but it's likely. So you've got a lot of good things kind of going for you. So Brooks' parents, by doing that lawsuit, actually did a really good thing for probably thousands of parents who have children with epilepsy. And where their physician is saying, here, you know, CBD oil and administer, you know, have work with the school and get it administered. So this is a big, big case. Um, so yeah, this, that's kind of how, that's, well, that is kind of how it works. So um, let's go over to the, the chat here. So. Ron Wayne, I almost start doing live streams, but difficult to pick a time slot. Ron Wayne is like, I'm going to slot him in two in the morning to five in the morning. That's Eastern time. That's Ron's time. So it was funny. I was going through my early shows and uh, in the back I had, so if you watch like show 85 or something, it has uh, the 405media.com logo in the back. And that was the 405 Media was out of Los Angeles. It was run by John Grant, and it was a podcast radio station. And it actually had a lot of pretty big shows on it at the time, back between like 1990 or, or 2000, 
17, 18, maybe up until like 2021 or something. And, and then it, it, it ended. But at a time, it was a really popular, basically like a podcast radio station. So I was offered, there was a show that had been on it, which had hundreds of episodes and, and, uh, and they were, they were going off the air and John Grant contacted me as when my show was kind of starting. He said, I can give you a one hour time slot and it's like two in the morning, but we will syndicate your show. So it will just play every two in the morning, but then like every week or 10 days, like do new content. And then they gave me the interface login and put like the graphic of the new show up in the description. And, and so that was great. I got like a lot of people became aware of the show because of uh, the four or five media, but now because it's not around anymore, you know, I don't have any of that stuff out there, but, uh, but anyway, it started. And then as other time slots opened up over the years, they would move me into better time slots. And then I think when the, it finally went off the air, I think I had like a 3 PM time slot. So, um, you know, I don't know, Ron, it's up. It's it's your call. Ron's like, I'm going to go head to head here with the safety doc and take him out. So I don't know. Ron's Ron's thinking of doing a preemptive uh, strike here to uh, take out the uh, safety doc, take out the channel through head to head. So um, let me show's moving or the chat's moving fast here. So. Let me, I'm reading through the, the chat here. There's a lot of good stuff. Uh, Jim is saying Buick cars almost always look better than the Chevys, no doubt. I owned a, four Buick cars, two Chevy light trucks, two Chevy cars, one Chrysler. Yeah, Chrysler too. That's similar experience, um, which convinced me never to buy another Pentas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah every Chrysler I owned, man, gave me issues. Um, but uh, yeah. So my previous Buick, that was the one that was destroyed in the car accident in 2019 on the interstate, which was great. And it was not as big, I mean, a bigger engine, but, uh, yeah, oh man. So, so I like, like my car. It's just, it's a, it's very physically big. Um, so it's a good family cruiser for vacation. Although we take the SUV now because the SUV has this, the moonroof on it. Right. So, um, kind of a neat thing plus the uh the gps maps and but uh yeah i fill up a gas this week and my god i think it's the first time i fill up a gas like in two months <laughs> so i just don't drive a lot man uh i just gotta make sure i'm running through enough gas on there and then then i can tell like uh, i gotta take a little trip because the brakes start to get a little rust on the rotors so um so no way i would do that time slot much respect for you Thanks, Ron Wayne. So I picked this time slot because uh, I didn't want to interfere with a Masculine Geek um, or the Mallard show. Um, those were kind of two established shows that I didn't want to go up against. So this seemed to be a pretty good slot. Uh, in my schedule, it works out pretty well because I usually have time on the weekends to put the blog posts and stuff together too. So get that kind of ready to go. So um, Vanessa saying, I miss my Fleetwood Cadillac from the 90s. Four adult bodies could be held in the trunk. Yeah, those were those were some some fascinating cars. 
Um, 30, yeah, I had a 3800 V6 in my um, 2007 Buick LaCrosse, and that was awesome. That's a car that got towed out with 106,000 miles on after I just had like all the maintenance done, all the fluids flushed, you know, new, new belts, hoses, everything. And then like a week or two later, that car, I'm sure the way I took care of it, right. And always synthetic oil, that thing would have lasted me. There was nothing wrong with the car at all. Body was perfect. That car, you know, it still might be in my garage. Um, that was a sad day. And it, the leather seats were just unbelievable in the handling of that car. And um, from that standpoint, it was, it was better than the car I own now. It was probably best best vehicle I've ever owned, but sad. It was a very, very sad, sad time. Yeah. So I've got a 35, 3600 V6, which I know those can be a little tricky. Although like I bought the car new and, it's, I've always done full synthetic oil changes and I've never had a problem with the car. So I think I'm in good shape. If anything would really been an issue would have manifested by now. I work in a union shop. This is John Rice uh, and uh, refuse to join. There's so many things you fail to comprehend. My perspective is that they do not support almost any single thing that I feel is in my best interest. So thanks for sharing that, John. Yeah, I was a part of a teacher's union. Teacher's unions uh, were largely uh, kind of disbanded in Wisconsin in 2011 by Governor Scott Walker. But I remember when I started in education as, as a teacher and I got my first check and I'd be like, what's this amount of money that's taken out for union dues, right? And it was pretty sizable. And, uh, and it was for, you know, for, I guess, the union advocacy for wages and and benefits and whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I felt it was a, a pretty big bite out of, out of the check. And I'm not sure I really realized a benefit from that. So, um, half mile is going to take the puppy out and then eat dinner. So, all right, buddy, thanks for being here. Give a thumbs up to the show, share it with your friends. Remember those ads, they want you to click through and, Visit, put everything you can, like $10,000 worth of things in your watch cart, and then just uh, take them all out. And then they're like, whoa. So they're serious here. Those people on Doc's channel, they're not messing around. So um, I wonder what kind of ads come up on my show, by the way, because I, I don't see them. <laughs> like from my interface, you know, when I go in, they're not there because you're not getting ads from watching your own thing. But like... Is it, uh, I wonder what the theme is, you know, is it survival food or is it, uh, um, you know, CBD oil or whatever vacations. Oh, by the way, like I keep getting ads for uh, the villages in, uh, Florida, the retirement community of age 55 or older, which personally, if it was just me, um, I would probably at least live there part of the year, the winter part of the year. But, uh, but uh, I got, I got an ad today from them and they're like, Hey, like, you know, you can do there. There's like a seven day trial. You can come down. I don't know. There's a name for it. And they said, uh, 
um, you know, you can do this. We'll give you a golf cart. You'll have access to the golf courses and a pass to the rec events. And, and I was like, oh. So I kind of like that stuff, man. I don't like the rec events. I'm not going to be out there like doing a line dance or, you know, like, yeah, uh, you know, stuff like that. But uh, golfing, yeah, I mean, count me in in a golf cart. Like, they just pull up by my house and 80 degrees. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find the downside in this scenario, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. So they've got my attention. So come on down. I could change the windshield myself in that Datsun. Holy smokes, Vanessa. Yeah. So actually my Buick still has a traditional windshield. No sensors built into it, right? Or no sense, you know, like the, the SUV, if that windshield gets damaged, that's a pretty expensive thing because they have to recalibrate all the sensors. So, you know, my Buick still is, is pretty low tech on those things. Oh, my God. Jim at a 97 Park Avenue Ultra. Very comfy, very large. Still a little smaller than my Chevy Impala Caprice. Yeah, those are nice cars. My parents had one of those. And it was really nice. Um, and, you know, I think they should have kept it. They didn't really, they got rid of it for uh, SUV, a smaller SUV. And I, if I were them, I would have kept the car because there was nothing wrong. Big engine. And the few times I drove it, I really liked it. Um, so that would be a car. Yeah. If I had to pick out a car today, man, that's what I would do. Um, so wow. Um, let's check here on the Impala. Nice ride. Cops here use them. Uh, now all they drive is SUVs. Same in my community. Um, 10 years ago, yeah, it was Impalas and now it's, it's all SUVs, but, uh, we had an, we had an Impala 2008, which, uh, we sold outright, did very well on that. Um, when, a year ago when our SUV came in. So, but, uh, that was a, that was a good car, but I'm, Glad that we did the the move over to the SUV and all drive and um, but yeah, like the squad cars now are just crazy expensive. So, by the way, in my fantasy football league, the guys I've been with twenty five years in this league. Yesterday, I lost by five points. Had I won that game, I would have made the final playoff spot. And now, what's remarkable about that is last year I won the league. But I won it because I finished seven and seven. I had to win the final game to get into the playoffs. And then I I swept the playoffs and won the Super Bowl, right? And I was two and seven in this year's league. And I came back to be six and seven. If I would have won yesterday, which I should have, I started Tom Brady and I knew it was a mistake. I had Ryan Tannenhill on my squad and she started him, but uh, I would have actually made the playoffs. So, but in my other league at the Wisconsin School for the Blind, I am 10 and four first place and i locked up uh the first place seed first uh first time i've done that and i won that league last year so yes i watch a whole roomba ad oh yeah it was Ro roomba okay look at this ron wayne like clicked he put nine of them in his cart 
So that is, uh, wow, look at that. So, wow, yeah. Um, let's see, Walmart ad on a refresh. Interesting. So they're playing pretty safe here with uh, with things. Florida sounds great. Yeah, you know, our neighbors lived in uh, Florida. They had a place in one of these villages type things, and and they would be there in winter. Then they come back in summer, and they were like. 60 years old and and uh, they just permanently moved down there because <laughs> they're like you know it's where they want it to be but it's a hard sell i could never get my family to go for that um but i you know again like for florida in general i think if you're from a cold weather climate and you get to be you know north of 50 years old, like, why would you want to be here? Um, I, unless you really were devoted to ice fishing or other stuff or, you know, I guess family, right? But man, I just would not want to winter here. For many, many years, my, I remember my dad retired. My parents always wintered in Alabama. They shut the house down and, um, you know, for like 10, 15 years they did that. So, but I just, you know, like, when the villages ads come up, I'm like, oh my God, those are tempting. Like, that's not a hard sell. Well, I mean, it's a hard sell because I couldn't get everybody to go, but if it was just me, man. Or, you know, just some time down there in the warm weather and uh, golfing and, and that type of stuff. I don't know. So I miss driving my grandma's 78 Cadillac Coupe de Ville. It's Mike. Wow. I watched Jimmy Dore today, but he privated or deleted his video from YouTube. Interesting. Huh. Wow. A Hotel Indigo? What in the world is that, Ron? Hotel Indigo? YouTube's having a hard time trying to, like, calibrate in on uh, the ad that fits the channel here. I think it'd be more like, uh, personally, like kind of survival food, survival, that that type of stuff would would tag with the channel. Because like all of us, you know, every hashtag I do has something safety and survival and things like that. And, you know, so the algorithms, you know, not not dealt in. So, <laughs> New York Outcast, golf courses are golf courses are a waste of a good shooting range. That is funny. So, look at this, Misty, Mrs. Wayne. I had a, I had to answer a survey. The survey is, uh, you know, should the Kentucky Batman, you know, be the uh, official logo of the uh, Kentucky Outdoors uh, Department of Natural Resources? So, and the answer to that is yes. So, yeah, wow. Um, they should pay you for those surveys. Yeah. There was a time like 20 years ago, I signed up for some site and if you took surveys, they would pay you. And they sent you like a check, It'd be like $2. But he realized like you, you end up doing surveys for like three hours a night for like $8. <laughs> so it wasn't worth it in the long run. 
But then, you know, in your mailbox, oh, I got a check here for $4. You're taking a three-hour survey. So, oh, my God. That is, uh, Mike is right. No domestic automaker has a sedan in their fleets. You know, the Buick LaCrosse um, is still made for the Chinese market, and they've updated it, but it looks similar to the version I have, which was 2017 through 19 minus 2017. And they, they have a 2023 version of that, which sells to the Chinese market, but not, you know, isn't that unbelievable to think that we don't have a sedan um, from a domestic automaker? It's, it's really mind boggling to, you know, to think that's where we're at. <laughs> oh, no, Ron, Manske, that, I don't know. That must be based off your search history or something there. I don't know what's going on with that. But, uh, so, you know, there's this, there's this uh, ad, Bespoke. And uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but it's, it's basically they send you a box of things that they, if you're a guy, they think like every month we'll send you the shoe box and it'll have like a, like a carving knife in it. You know, and, and, uh, you know, like some, uh, I don't, I, it's just, it's, you know, like here's a, it's a handcrafted, you know, leather wallet and some other stuff. And I'm like, well, if I want this stuff, like I'll just buy it. You know, it's like, you know, pumpkin scented, uh, shaving cream. This, have you guys seen this like bespoke thing? And it's actually a company, right? So they, you subscribe and it's like, oh, like every month, you know, and if you don't, like it you can switch it out for another box of stuff i'm like who who comes up with that i'm like i don't i don't want to deal i don't want that first of all like if somebody signed me up for that i'd be like oh please like you know um but that's actually a business where and then they'll you know show these dudes like oh my god look at this here is this you know, Himalayan, you know, wool socks, like, you know, oh man, this is just the greatest things. I'm like, well, if I, if I wanted something like that, <laughs> go out and get it. I don't know. I don't want a box of these things. Oh, you know, look at this mahogany, like cutting board, you know, I don't know, man. I, I think it's, it's bespoke, but, uh, but it's rechargeable, waterproof. Yikes. Um, which reminds me, I need to replace my uh, um, dust vac, although there's like a new name for it because um, the battery is pretty much gone after many, many, many years. Um, and the thing doesn't really like fit together anymore, but uh, like you'll be using it and then the container there, all this dust and stuff comes, it'll fall off. <laughs> Like, so you got to kind of like hold it together as you're using it. But uh, I don't use it that often, but I do use it in the car, except when I'm doing serious cleaning, then I'll bring out the like wet dry vac. But and Mike, all sedan, this is from some flowers, flowers, all sedan sales in North America are declining, including those made by foreign manufacturers. That's why every single manufacturer has introduced more SUVs and crossovers as an alternative. Yeah, just crazy stuff that we're seeing the demise, or we have seen the demise of the sedan. Safety doc, uh, we're refreshing and watching more. Look at this, Corey. 
I'll, I'll, this, this show will end up having like uh, $75 worth of like uh, ad revenue on it. So it'll be, uh, be really cool. So it is, it is fun now because there's 198 episodes with this and there's other episodes out there that aren't official episodes and they're monetized. But, um, you know, when people watch the shows, they, uh, they show up then as creating some ad revenue, right? So, or they go through the ads or whatever. So every day I log in, you know, and there's a little bit of ad revenue that's, that's added in. So, um, yeah, so it's just, it's kind of neat. It gets a little bit addictive to say, oh, like, you know, how much came in today? By the way, like, let's see how many, if there's any books, any audiobooks that sold today. Because um, my book, School of Airs, is now $8.99 at Barnes & Noble. I put it on sale through December 23rd. Have there been any more sales today? Survey says... Dun, dun, dun. It's Jay. Hello. Look, oh my goodness. Joe's like, listen, you never have to go through and pony up any pennies and nickels for the dock here. Just use the Brave browser. Wow. Wow. It's a good friend, uh, Vanessa. Why do the vehicle makers switch to trucks and SUVs? The frames. Uh, the frames used. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's crazy stuff, isn't it? I think if you took somebody from 20 years ago or especially 30 years ago and you said, you know, in the year 2022, there will be no domestic vehicle maker who makes a sedan. People be like, holy smokes. So, um, Mike, Nice cars, but GM really messed up with those 4.1 and 4.5 V8s. Just not, did not hold up at all at well. So, yeah. Um, Jim, the 3.8 with a supercharger would have worked for those cars. Wow. Yeah, it's all true, man. Just True stuff, true stuff. So going through the, the a one-minute ad for Tim Hortons from Corey. That's kind of a Canadian thing, isn't it? I don't know if there's a Tim Hortons here in the United States or not, but Corey clicked on it. He ordered a, a couple of breakfast burritos. He put them there in the the inbox and just left them. So, so we get the we get the credit for that here tomorrow when I when I go in. So. Um, yeah, um, DACA ought to uh, get a check uh, with us. <laughs> so uh, here's the deal. So the channel needs about $35 between ad revenue and super chats and super stickers for me at the end of the year from YouTube to get a check. So that's the minimum threshold in order to get a check. So I just kind of, at some point it'll happen, right? But I kind of am, uh, I, I'm thinking of that moment with my tax preparer, uh, same person I've had for years, and, and just be like, oh, so you got like a YouTube, you're monetized now. I'd be like, yep, show's on. So, but we're still about 
$35 away from hitting that monetize the, the level where YouTube cuts the payment to you. We're, we're about $35 away from that. So thank you. A lot of you have helped to uh, move us closer to that. So it's been good. Um, Bacon saying, I've seen, yeah, bespoke. Sounds like a great way to get a bunch of stuff you're going to throw out later. That's, like, that's exactly what it is, isn't it? And then I, I see those ads in Twitter. I might have blocked them uh, because they just got so annoying. But uh, but I'm like, who comes up with this? Um, is this actually viable? Do they make money of uh, of selling this stuff? You know, and they're just cheesiest, cheesiest commercials. Because some guy's like, I never knew that I, I needed to have, you know, this, uh, you know, uh, TV remote uh, holster for the Velcros to the couch. And then you can also put like a, a magazine in it and, you know, like a bag of Doritos. And uh, it's just the best thing, right? I would have never thought on this on my own. And uh, I'm just, I just, man. I'm just like, who falls for this stuff? So John's like, listen, John Rice is like, listen, I've been with Bespoke since the start. So. Maybe. Um, this is to me from Joe. The holy grail of Dustbusters is the DeWalt 20-volt handheld wet-dry um, S110 with no battery charger, but it's powerful, and a dead battery never retires the vac. Let me put that over here in a note. Yeah. Right. I don't know what the one is that I have. It was a step up from the um, traditional, like, dustbuster type thing. It was okay. Um, I had it for, like, 15 years, but holy smokes, man. So a 20-volt, 110 with no battery charger. Wow. Um, that's pretty interesting. I wonder how heavy that thing is. So this is what, uh, right here. Let's, let's bring this up. So what you're talking about. Wow. Oh my God. It's 229 with a three uh, amp hour battery and charger. Holy smokes, man. Wow. Half gallon tank. Washable filter. That's good. Holy smokes. Wow. We, we are only a handful of super stickers away from that thing. Um, so, oh, what is Hotel Indigo? So since, since that's coming up, now that I type it in, like it'll come up for the next five weeks for me. It's, it's by IHG Boutique Hotels Worldwide. Interesting. I've never stayed at a, a Hotel Indigo. 
um, r- rarely have stayed at a um, like a Holiday Inn or something like that. So I don't know why. It's kind of weird why that's coming up. But, I mean, I don't know. Buy books for family members. Look at this. Here we go. Ugh. Thank you. $22 in paperback, but it's from a good publisher. Roman Littlefield, meaning like the pages aren't going to fall out and it's all formatted correctly. And this is a very good book. School of Airs, that I, um, this came out in 2019. It's an audiobook also. Um, hard copy, ebook. It's in damn near any format you could want. Um, this is a really good book, not just about school safety, but it's a, it's a punchy book. It's uh, about the 9-11 Harbor Rescue of 500,000 people in nine hours. Um, how Rocky Four and Drago, you know, and Rocky had more to do with the rescue than what people could have ever imagined, right? Really good book. Um, check this out. It's tons of libraries across the world, but $22. If you have anyone in your family who teaches, uh, this is a book they need to read because there's a lot of wild stuff happening for school safety. doesn't make sense. If you have a parent who has kids in school, again, a very important book so they understand what's going on. Or if you're kind of into history and just contemporary stuff, it's a very well-written book. Um, so it's very popular. Get people contact me about that book. Here it is. Here's the other one, The Velocity of Information. This one came out in April. There's nothing like this out there. It's um, it, it takes the year 2020 and breaks it down into like this first 90 days of this finite voltage and people kind of hitting the burnout point. But then I, I bring in, hey, you know, like back during World War II, we had the Committee for National Morale and here's how the, the government, uh, you know, tried to get people on board with um, national campaigns. And we didn't really have that this time around, right? But um, 12 interviews, including um, Larry Lawton, America's Biggest Jewel Thief, Linda Stone, a big tech executive, um, retired uh, Juan Brown, who you know from um, his channel, Blanco Lirio, um, r- uh, Robert Travis, the two-time Alaskan crab boater. ton of interviews in here. Really, um, it's kind of like a fascinating anthology of uh, stories. This this is a, this is a book when. You'll get this, and it's coming out in audiobook in, on April 12th. Audiobook is already available. You can pre-order it. It's already done, uploaded. Um, actor Ben Hawk narrate. That's really good. But um, but the thing with this book is, uh, like, there's nothing out there. You're going to, to I think, be validated. You're, it's, um, it's one of those things, too. Like, you'll remember it by the stories. So if you're talking about, you know, you got this book and you're talking to Andrew, right? And Andrew's like, oh, like, you know, let's talk about the crab boat guy. Oh, yeah, the guy and, you know, where the somebody like drowned and they had to pull him up off the boat. And then like how the most dangerous time on the boat was right to start right at the end. So why would it be at the end? Because like you thought, you'd, you know, be really good. Well, you know, decision making kind of goes out the window. You only get so good in these high stress environments and you kind of tail off pretty fast. Um ton of there's a ton of figures in this book there's a lot of photos in here there's a photos that I took um, some pictures that were sent to me so really good book how if you get 
like just five people together from different areas, you can do a member check network where people will inform you like what's happening at the grocery store, what's happening at your bank, what's happening in your hospitals, are they postponing like um, elective procedures, you know, these types of things. Is there like a coin short? Do you have to pay with check or pay with credit card? There's no check or cash. Um, you get a pretty good vibe for what's happening around the country or if things are kind of like trending and you need to like, you know, someone's like, hey, like there's no eggs anywhere. And I live in here and someone, you know, in your network is in Texas and you're like, nope, no eggs. We don't see eggs and whatever. And you're like, well, we got eggs here. Like I'm, I mean, take advantage of that uh, because it looks like there's not going to be any eggs. So anyway, the velocity of information, this is a really good book, peer, not peer reviewed, but I had a peer group check through this as I was developing it. It's really, really well done. Um, again, through publisher Roman and Littlefield. So my books were all um, through publishing house. I got to do a book proposal, you know, so they're all professionally um, edited. That one has 471 endnotes professionally edited. I'll, all the times. Really good books. Like um, Misty, Mrs. Wayne will will vouch for that. So TikTok ad, holy smokes! I don't want that stuff going on. Um, that's crazy. So yeah, Tim Morton's was purchased by Wendy's. We had a Wendy's here in our town. Now it's the U.S. Cellular store. There is no Wendy's at all. Um, <laughs> I should have $200. Well, we'll see. So 1099M, miscellaneous. Um, so Andrew's like, listen, I'm going to be right back. So speaking of ads... I do want to watch one of your older monetized shows to see if they pop up in the middle. Main reason why I never enabled them on mine. Yeah, I don't know. I what I did is I um, so it says, do you want to monetize? You can monetize individually, or do you just want to monetize like all of your shows? So I just monetize all of them. Um, and you know, so. Now, I do have another, well, that channel's not eligible to monetize. I have another channel, which is just my university lectures. There's like 78 people that follow that. And that's, that's just university lectures. That's all it is. And I would never monetize that if it if it ever got 4,000 watch hours and 1,000 subscribers, which it will never get that. But um, that would be, there would be an issue, right, with, with ethically with doing that for university lectures. Um, but this isn't, you know, I don't, send my students over here and say, Hey, like watch this show or something. Um, so, um, and nothing is behind, you know, like a paywall on this. So the safety doc, I'm an owner operator of the handheld vac and it's a beast. Great for cars and stairs too. Wow. Good. Does it adjust Joe? Like do you, does it have like a narrow nozzle? Like you can put at the end to get in between the car seat and the, the council, because that's, I have like a little attachment on my current one that does a nice job with that. Or is it like, this is, this is what it is. So um, that looks pretty cool though. That looks like the vacuum cleaner from the Teletubbies. 
Teletubbies, Teletubbies, la la, and new, new. Andrew, what a time to be alive. I'm listening to the show on my toilet with Bluetooth headphones and typing on my phone. Wow. Andrew. So, Ron's like, same here. Oh, same here, Corey. I believe we've been found out. No commercial this time. Look at, oh, God. What is going on here? That's the safety doc. I always wanted to become a Polish author or a Polish author, either one. But uh, be, having a, having two books published through a publishing house, and this isn't, do not take this at all of, of me saying, if I was to self-publish, that's a lesser thing. No, right? Because I know a lot of people who have uh, self-published books, who've sold a lot more books, a lot more books than I have. Um, but when I, so going through a traditional publisher of a nonfiction work, which is my, my publisher was Roman and Littlefield for both books. They only accept a certain part of proposals. And when it's all done, they don't have to accept the book, right? They could be like, no. Um, so then, you know, you're bound by a contract and, you know, they, they're doing the marketing and distributing and all that. And, but then the reason I did that that way was they are regarded as a, a very reputable scholarly press. So I'm a university professor. So whatever I do, um, I need that to count for scholarly rank, if that makes any sense. But um, so going this route, accomplish that. And then it also works with my kind of the, the other scholarly consulting that I do. Um, the books get cited by other works and it just helps me with my professional portfolio. Um, they're great books. They're again, they're all of them. They're, they're cited, you know, there's the citations and everything, but, um, so that is, that is, um, so Corey, um, Misty, Mrs. Wayne has the velocity of information. She can tell you about it. And the audiobook is fascinating too. Ben Hawk did an amazing job narrating that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so for me, it was huge. Like when I got the publishing contract, I had to do this big proposal, right. And, and, uh, when school of airs came out and I got that first box of books and then it started to show up in libraries and library of Congress, both my books are in the library of Congress. Um, they have books have won different awards. They're in libraries all across the world and people, I mean, it's, so it's been really amazing for me personally, you know, and they're in the back. I don't, I don't really plan on doing another book. Um, I have an idea if I were to do one, but I don't think I'll do another one, but They've been big personal professional accomplishments. So yeah, I would say, um, you know, if that's something you want to do, go for it. I will, both of those books took me a long time, 2000 hours easily for both. And then uh, School of Errors, I think I got the contract in 2017. It took me two years to do the book. Philosophy of Information was one year, start to finish. And actually, September 1st, 2021, it was due to the publisher. And then between September 1st and Christmas, so last year this time, the publisher was going through what's called proofs. And it's not proofreading. It's where they lay out the book and then they're like kind of fact checking it and they're doing, they have like this team and 
And, uh, and because I had 471 in it, it was a lot involved. I had to, I had to go back with some of the people I interviewed and had them sign off on some waivers for stuff that was in the book. And, but, um, there were many different layouts I came up with for the book for how the content, not the cover, stuff like that. Although I did pick the cover on that, which I like, but, um, anyway, it was really cool. So, um, it's been, it's been a, a neat thing. I'm the first one in my family to ever have published, um, ever have a work be professionally published as a book. I've done a number of big journal articles and things like that, that have, but, uh, it's really interesting when my students n- know that I publish books, right? Because like a lot of them, they, they've never met anybody who's done that before. So that's, that's a big thing. Um, and I think it elevates you as a, in their eyes as a professor and, and it is, it is, there's a, when you write a book, there's a lot of time that goes in. There's a lot of points, not so much with velocity of information, school of errors, their writer's block, or just kind of like, I, do I really want to keep going through this? And, um, but, uh, yeah, the amount of time that goes in and you know, stuff is just amazing, but I'm, I'm glad I did, a, did all of that. Um, I learned, I learned a ton. I think they're great books. I think, Anybody here would you guys love either of those books? But if you're really into something that is is uh, super contemporary and these these interviews, so as you're reading it, it's going to you're going to get all the, the voices of these people, get the velocity of information. God, that it is a good book. <laughs> I'm, it is a good book. Um. So. And they have, it's your favorite book. Look at this. Thank you, Misty, Mrs. Wayne. And another thing you can do is if you contact your local library, if they don't have either of the books, but especially philosophy of information, because that one is new, right? 2022. They'll typically get it. You know, if you say, hey, like it's not here, they'll, they have budgets, they'll buy it. So it's in Squamish, British Columbia. Bolo knows that. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, that's another thing you can do if you want to help the doc out is email your library. Say, I live here. I check the book isn't in our library. Yeah, and I think it should be. It's awesome. Um, that has like an 80% success rate. Libraries, if they are, their own patrons want a book like that. Plus, it's just a really good book. So the library would go in and they'd be like, oh, like it is in a lot of libraries across the not a, the U.S. and the, the country. You know, Here's, Yeah, we'll, we'll get it. So. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Um, one of them is available on Audible. Uh, so yeah. Um, School of Airs is on Audible and 44 other distributors, Barnes and Noble and for the audio book, Downpour, Scribd, stuff like that. And that'll be the same thing. Spotify, Spotify is my distributor. Um, same thing for Velocity of Information, April 12th. The audiobook there is like $14.99, but I think I released it at $8.99 when it actually comes out for like the first month. Um, again, professionally narrated by Ben Hawk, who's phenomenal. Uh, that actor, Ben Hawk, from TV, Manifest, uh, that is that book is is just Boom, super. I think that book is going to have a, a cult following because 
it really challenges a lot of the 2020 narrative. And now that, you know, the, the narrative seems to be lining up with kind of what the book was pointing out. I was like curious. I didn't know if my publisher would stick with the book or not, or if they would just come to me and say, this is, this is too much of a hot potato, man. We're not sure we can stick with publishing it. That was a little bit of risk at one point. Um, but they did, they, they stuck with it. So safety dot cool for audiobook. I'll see if my work will order your books. Cool. Cool. Yeah. The audiobook right now for school of airs, I narrated that one. Um, school of airs is eight ninety nine, and then the velocity of information will be available in April. Cause that's just a contract thing. It had to be one year after the print version. I own the rights to the audiobooks. Publisher owns the, I own a copyright to all of the books, but the, I, I own all of the rights to the audiobooks. So that's why the audiobooks also have different covers because it's not the cover. It's the same exact book, it's word for word, but, uh, so, and the only way my publisher would allow me to release School of Airs in audio is if I narrated it, which was really a weird thing, but it was never in the original contract to do an uh, audiobook version. So when I approached them and said, hey, like, could we do this? And they're like, well, maybe. And then they got back to me and said, well, here's the deal. Like, we'll give you the rights to the audiobook, but only if you narrate it. And then it has to. Be. So Spotify is a distributor. Spotify is not a publisher. So the, the audiobook is a published work through my publisher because of the content, right? My publisher didn't have anything to do with the audiobook, but the content. So I'm not publishing with Spotify. Spotify is only a distributor for the audiobook, if that makes any sense. So there's a little bit of a, a caveat in there. So like my publisher technically could have had the audiobook rights for that and also released it with their stuff, and then they would have been the publisher of it. But they decided not to do that because typically nonfiction audio book don't do very well. You know, they're not very popular unless it's just, it's, it's they just don't do very well. Like, you know, someone's going to be more likely to listen uh, to a, like a nonfiction or, or to a fiction narrated book. But um, anyway, for what it is. So the book is a gift that keeps giving. The possibilities are endless. So, yeah, yeah, it's cool. I'm, I'm glad I did those. And I, I look back, and it's it's interesting. People are like, "Are you doing another one?" Or you talk to anyone? Just like I'm like, there's so much work that goes into a book. And but like, I would have good advice for someone if they were really serious about like writing a nonfiction book. If like, how I put together folders, how I did research, and how I like you know, capture citations in another folder and just like things I learned to streamline the process. Um, and it is one of the things where you kind of, I do a lot of outlines. So I outlined everything, like every chapter. And then like, I had these things of like, how does this go along with the theme of the book? And, and then I always had people I was farming it out to. And I'd say like, read this. And there's like three questions. One, does it make sense? <laughs> is it interesting? And does it go down it doesn't go into a conspiracy area because if it does, I got to fix it because although like velocity of information gets real critical of a lot of things, it doesn't overtly go one way or another because then the publisher or, or, or someone's going to read it and they'll be like, Oh, I'm a certain political party. I'm done with this. So, um, 
Best book ever written. Holy smokes there, Misty Mrs. Wayne. Well, thank you. I think it is a great, is a terrific book. And another thing is there really isn't, there isn't anything like this. So the books that kind of came out after 2020 were, oh, the a great reset and stuff like this. That's not what this book is about. Um, it's human thinking during chaotic times and it centers though on, on 2020. And, and there's so much in there that you can just pull out and how you function with your own life, how you observe things in other people, uh, how you might be able to help other people, how other people might be at a point when they're not bouncing back from this kind of psychological burnout. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good stuff. Um, oh, Reese's ice cream from Briars. That is good. I could go for that. Could definitely go for that. Wow. Oh, waiting on Doc's intermission. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll do the intermission and then I'll I'll do a little more show show and then we'll we'll wrap it up. I've got consulting, kind of a daily thing now. So I've got consulting again tomorrow. And um but let's let's do that. We will uh uh we'll go to an intermission here for our good friend Ron Wayne, because I know he likes look look at this. Oh, that's it's just to show your support with a super chatter sticker. So that is, uh, let's uh, get over here. All right. Uh, all right. Um, hang on and let me get the, uh, let me get the intermission fired up. So, all right. I'll be, I'll be back after this.
That was our intermission, so I hope you guys enjoyed that. So, Misty Mrs. Wayne, you can convince your local library to do a, a book study on the velocity of information. So, I think they should. Um, like I said, I, I think the book, kind of like School of Airs, the more that book is out there, it gets its following in the safety community. Like there's people who email me and they're like, I'm a safety coordinator for whatever school district or for this county and, you know, whatever. And, and the book, like that people go to conferences and they're like, oh, did you hear about this book? And, and so that kind of bing, bing, bings all around. But I think philosophy of information is, is going to be one of these books that's going to grow in retrospect or forensically, like as people look back and are like, what, what, what actually happened like to all of us when we were deemed essential or non-essential, which is one of the first chapters in the book, um, essential versus non-essential. And right, right up the, the front and I walk you through Carl Mankey in Ottawa, Michigan, a 70 year old guy cutting hair and then the governor shut him down as non-essential. And then the police would come and lock his place up. And as soon as like the media would leave, they, they would unlock his place so he could cut hair. But this whole essential, non-essential stuff was crazy, right? Um, and people don't really mention it. So chapters in the book kind of threads through this thing of saying, you know, this, this is pretty pretty nasty how this, this happened and affected people. Um, so it's really, it's, it's in, in how the, our dictionary words changed uh, overnight. Dictionary literally, you know, would change. So, I think the book uh, is going to, because it's it's so well cited, 471 endnotes, that it's going to grow in uh, value as people look back at this time and they're trying to figure out like what really went down. And then also you can get a look for how this was so different than other times in history that were chaotic because of the propaganda and I think the propaganda, and I point that out in the book, I said the propaganda was beyond negligent or sloppy or lazy. I don't know what it was. Like there wasn't, uh, there wasn't an organized propaganda process. Again, you'd have to go through the book to kind of piece that out and make sense of it, but it, it's, it's really well done. So, you know, Sometime, you know, someone will be like, look at this, this book. Well, I don't know. I'm really happy with it. I, I, I wouldn't go back and um, I don't, 
I don't believe I'd change anything with it. I mean, School of Errors could use an updating. I don't know. I, would, I think I would just kind of come up with a new book if I were. School of Errors is the one that should probably have like a new companion book. But again, I don't have any, I don't have any desire to do that right now. Um, so, but, uh, so a Phoenix should be called a Molotov cocktail. Wow. Mr. Mrs. Wayne Bacon, I didn't have enough. I'll try next time. That song is called A Piccolo and a Cane. That video was made for me by Swamp Dog Armory. And then um, he also pulled in the song, which is in public domain, Piccolo and a Cane. Uh, so thank you to Swamp Dog for putting that together. Um, I do like the big band swing. So actually I have, I have a, a service I subscribe to where I get my audio that I use and like my university stuff, like the intro audio or the music and stuff. So I pay every year to have access. And then you have it for life. Even if you're, if you don't keep the membership, you still get to use the audio. Um, but uh, I, I try to use, I try to download a lot of big band and swing stuff. And there's not a lot. There's a little bit of that in polka, but they're always adding to it. Um, so, but yeah, it's all kind of tech, Techno, jazz type stuff. I'm not a really big fan of that anymore. But I'm really surprised, to be honest with you guys. I did that school safety video. Um, it was a premiere a couple of weeks ago. It's 41 minutes long. And here's like the seven objectives every school should follow for exercises. And it's, it's a great video. Like I edited that thing like crazy. So it like really moves fast. Um and it's got all these overlays and stuff like that. And that only has like 50 views. And I'm like, man, like that's not kidding the right audience because anyone who's in school safety, it's free. It's this amazing resource. If you watch the video, you take a few screen captures, you're instantly equipped with a set of objectives for your next exercise. Like I give that, I teach that at the university level and I was like, well, I'm gonna make it public because I mean, it's my own content. And I'm just like, I thought that was going to, not like just crazy, because I mean, but I, I, I thought that would be bouncing its way around. And that's kind of weird. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, the, you're right. Those changed. Yep. Uh, the preference, the, the, term preference changed, which I, I talked about, um, a pan, a bacon, uh, you know, Maldito and I did the show on pandemic lingo and a lot of that content made it forward into the book. Uh, so if you said, um, social distance, it wasn't just a term people knew, Oh, I'm supposed to be six feet away. Right. So all these things that, uh, you know, contact tracing, I mean, all these things that just became, are part of our vocabulary and our vernacular. And um, yeah, I mean, it's philosophy of information is in libraries in China. It, it really is because uh, I can, I can track backdoor where the book is and a lot of library systems through my publisher. And I don't know if we can bring it up. Um, oh, that's not doing it. 
I didn't think that book would be what you know would be permitted in some of these places. So, and uh, and it is, it has been. So, oh, come on. Let me just see if I can bring it up here. It's in uh, Britain, Germany, Germany, Qatar, United Arab Emirates, Hong Kong. Uh, hmm. I can't, I I don't have the right sort stuff on to kind of go through all of it. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. It's a good book. You guys should should check it out. Yeah, and watch for, and I'll remind you guys too, but uh, watch for April when Velocity of Information comes out because I'm pretty sure I priced that at $8.99 for that audiobook. It's six hours, 40 minutes. You know, again, that's a, you're getting a lot of value for $8.99 for an audiobook uh, from a professional actor. You know, you'll probably recognize his voice from TV, but, uh, you know, and the reason I did that is because I wanted to get out there. So, you know, I, and then after that, I think it goes to like fourteen ninety nine, which is still you know very affordable um, for an audiobook, but uh, with a professional actor, right? But I think it it, it rolls out at eight ninety nine. Yeah, so that was one of the things too. Is like I I the publisher sets the price on the print and ebook. But the audiobook, I get to set the price, so I drop those down. So, so oh yeah, bacon, yeah, the physical list, yeah. Um, wow, yeah, it's in libraries in China. So I don't I, School of Airs isn't in China. I don't think it's in Qatar and Arab Emirates, but Philosophy of Information is, which is surprising to me. So I don't, uh, yeah. I don't get it, to be honest. I I really would think like that book would have certainly been filtered out. Um, so it's kind of weird. I don't know. But uh, yeah, you know, I don't really talk about the books that much. Um, even when we had like Thanksgiving, I maybe talked. Well, I was asked about the book, you know, a couple of relatives. How's the book doing? That's never a good question to ask because... You know, it's a it's subjective, right? Because they're they're just trying to figure out how much how many books are you selling. And I'm like, you know, it sells, right? I don't know the exact number because through the publisher and I get a royalty, you know, payments and stuff like that. But you know, it's 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 not making me wealthy, but the book is very successful because it's has a high it's in a library of congress, it's a very high saturation in libraries, and um so you know. I just kind of, I have to like, just go and talk about specifically how the book is, is kind of impacting some people. And, and, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I just try to talk about parts of the book. It's just, it's kind of weird, right? Cause there's just much, there's much more to a book than, um, sales for this type of book. Cause like I said at the university, it, it did wonders for me. I was professor of the year last year. And part of that was the book for scholarly contributions by faculty. So, 
Um, but anyway, it's good. You guys would you guys would enjoy either one. Um, I would recommend though the velocity of information. So, yeah. Ron Wayne says Polaris ATV and Bass Pro added. Oh yeah, so that's that's dialing in. The algorithm is figuring things out. So now you're going to start getting uh, ads for the villages. So, yeah, um, I would like the show to be sponsored. I I would. I don't know who I could get on board to to do that though. Um, it would probably have to be like in the school safety realm or whatever. Look at this. Ron, you're professor of the century to us, Doc. Wow. So it was cool to get the uh, professor of, of the year um, in May. It was a really neat, a really neat thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, so got my classes ready first. I'm, I'm much more prepared for spring than I've ever been for spring semester. And I think uh, the consultant kind of forced that because I, I didn't want a whole lot of stuff on my plate at one time. So I wanted to work ahead. But uh, I'm in good shape for spring. And then, uh, you know, there's, a, there's also like, a, I, what I do is I allow students to do the phone call final and I added that during the pandemic because, you know, we weren't always in person, right? And uh, so I, I'll come back to this one. Um, I changed the final exam because everyone was, you know, writing assignments, stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I want to change things up. So I said, you can do a 20-minute phone call with me. Phone call, not Skype or Zoom or Google Chat. I don't want I don't want you to be occupied with visuals, right? Of having to do a presentation. I just want audio. Um, and twenty minute phone call. And here's like the five things I'm going to ask you. And imagine that I'm your school board, and I'm going to ask you about what's your induction process for new staff. How is that legally compliant? And then you know we have other things. So I'm like, here's the questions you're going to have, and that's it. Twenty minutes, and people loved it. And they were so thankful afterwards and the reviews were like, you know, we're just getting burned out, you know, from like school not being in session and online. We, this was a nice change of pace to not have to do a paper. And I think it really taught people to be succinct. And, and I had a timer and I said, we get to 20 minutes, it's done. So anyway, I kept that. I never retired that, even though, you know, school resumed in person at the university. Um, and I think I'm the only professor that does that, but it, it creates a lot of scheduling. So I open up this Google, shared Google document with my students, and then I'll be like, okay, like I'm consulting now, you know, so it's not like I have all day. So I might have five, five o'clock, five thirty, six, six thirty, like till, you know, and I might have two weeks where I'll give you nights or like a Saturday I'll open up or seven in the morning or whatever. And then people love that. So um, I've stuck. I've stuck with it. So sunflowers is saying you teach. Yeah, actually, I've been a I've been a university professor for 19 years. I teach at a private college um, in Wisconsin, and uh, along the Mississippi River. Dun, 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 beautiful campus, absolutely beautiful. And I've instructed 
and I, I've taught for a couple of uni different universities, but this is my mainstay. I've been with them for 19 years. Um, and I've taught well over a hundred classes in the last 19 years. So I, I don't know what the total is. I, at one time I had like, kept a tally, but it's 120, 120 classes in the last 20 years. I mean, some class, some years I was teaching like five, six classes a year, but, um, so I, I teach three classes every year. Now I teach a superintendent legal issue class in fall, which is required for school superintendents to be licensed. I teach a special education legal class, which is required for special education directors to be licensed spring. I teach a non people, non-discrimination class, which is re also required for licensure for special ed directors. So, um, so all my courses, people have to take them for their professional license. And they're all six or 700 level courses. So they're pretty advanced. Um, so I, I'm a, I'm a very um, animated, fun teacher, but I have a lot of rigor. So when you come into class, I do a lot of, I do a lot of case studies and, you know, we'll break people up into three groups and say, you know, here's a case study and, go and you've got 20 minutes and come back together and we're going to like break it down into one of my students made made this and gave it to me in my superintendent class this year. I always tell people discretion, best interest, board of education policy and induction. We will always measure everything in these three, these four areas. But um, but yeah, so we I do a lot of that, you know, very practical stuff. Um, uh, so so there's a high bar with that, but people do well in the, the classes. Again, I, I, I bring up a lot of energy. I'm a fun fun prof to have, but uh, I also have really high expectations for people. So, and nope, and it's not Radford University and TikTok. So, but uh, yeah, so it is cool. It is cool. Um, yeah, I teach at, a, at um, a university that uh, when I step on campus, and this is not uh, hyperbole, it's a beautiful campus. Originally, uh, the, the main buildings were built in the 1880s, 1890s, and there's this beautiful woodwork within these buildings, and this it's maintained, it's pristine. So when you walk on campus, it's um, it's so manicured. It's amazing. It's it's just it's, it's an experience. Um, there's really not much else to say than it's almost it's magical. There are some rooms in, at the at this the main building where I teach. There are some rooms. If you're assigned to teach in those rooms, you have specific chalk that they give you because the slates are over a hundred years old, and they don't want like cheap chalk or whatever messing with these slates. Other rooms have dry erase, stuff like that, but a few rooms have these 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 slates, which are they could even be older than that, 120 years, just immaculate the way they used to do a whole wall, like a chalkboard, but you know, these really the the way that they were in the old days. And they give you special chalk. So when you're writing on this, it's just this incredible experience. And uh I don't even know where that so sunflowers, I know where you teach. Yeah, I guess it's not hard to figure that out if you go. Anybody does a Google search plus that plus university, but beautiful campus. I I love the university. They are awesome. Um, 
students, uh, we have a great team. You know, a lot of people I've instructed with have, have been there as long as I am or, or longer. Uh, just a good, really good group of people. So, and we actually get together too. And we sit down and we're like, what are the standards that need to be taught? And then, okay, what are you covering in your class, this and this? And then we make sure everything is covered. And I don't think that happens in a lot of places. You know, they just plug and play people in to be professors and stuff like that. So like, we have it really cohesive. And uh, and so that's where I just, you know, I, I, I tell people confidently, I said, you know, you're, you're working with a really good team here. Like if something's not covered, budget or this part of legal stuff, or if it's, advocacy or whatever boom boom we're gonna get it it's covered somewhere we double check that triple check it so university of facebook what what is that i don't know so this is really good yeah this is that keep that quote run we should bring that up every time is the glass half empty or half full at least there's something in the glass what was the original context when I was saying that? I forget what the original context, but I think it was. It's really a good point. Um, it's Ron Wayne, the Kentucky Batman. So, well, as long as there's bourbon in the glass. So to Ron Wayne, I am all in. Um. So we are, um, we could potentially get like sleet and uh, ice here the next three days or just rain or nothing. So it won't be snow because it's going to be too warm for that. But uh, it could, it could go in any of those directions. So Prager, you no. I thought about, um, I talked to the university, I talked to the dean a few months ago and said, you know, like, if you got anything else cooking here on campus, like I could take on another class or two. So, um, you know, I could, I could do, I could do a little bit more. I thought about that of, of, of before I did the consulting, before I, I kind of restart my consulting, I was like, do I want to push out university, but I don't want to go to another university. So, because I don't want to learn another system and all that other stuff. And I'm, you know, I've got 19 years here with this place, so it's going really well. So if I can expand out, but, but, um, you know, it's not a full-time job. So the consulting um, just made sense to start that up again. So it was kind of weird too, because when I, when I started the consulting, there was a part of me that was like, oh, you know, you just you get into a lot more commitment than obviously, right? My calendar and schedule and expectations and all of that, which is, you know, just the way that it is. But I came up with a little spreadsheet of like, what are some things that I'm going to buy for myself <laughs> that normally I wouldn't buy um, because, you know, now I'm invoicing out for consulting and most of this money will just go toward electric bill and water bill. I got paid my taxes today, which were the highest they've ever been, my property taxes. But what did I, what did I put here? Um, let me see if I have the, I think I wrote it down. What, oh, 
so yeah, I was, uh, I was going to get some, um, car wash from Graz garage, <laughs> Graz garage, G R I O T S. Um, which is like a, it's a special sudsy wash because I always wash my cars by hand and I kind of like to go with a little better. I was uh, going to get some wool socks, a pair for biking and just two pairs for winter. <laughs> right. So this is actually right. So we get here. Uh, another American giant hoodie, but I want to get the burgundy one and they're all out of stock right now. So, cause uh, I, I wear those quite a bit kind of year round. Oh, I want to um, in spring order mulch instead of getting, uh, you know, 25 bags of mulch. I want to dig all of the mulch out that I have around my fire bush and the maple and my oak and then uh, throw that all in the back and then have a delivery from the landscaping people of mulch. So, and then I want to go to REI and buy a heavy fleece kind of. Not really coat, but uh, that I can wear down here, like in winter when I'm consulting. So I can try it on right at REI in person. So those are kind of the things I have here on my wish list. But uh, that was a little bit of, because normally I just wouldn't buy these things for myself, right? So um, let's see what we got going on here. Oh, hey, Doc, did the CBD help? I didn't get it yet. The, the, it hasn't arrived. So I will I will let you guys know. So it is actually the uh, Delta 8. So apparently that's, it's not exactly CBD. It's more on the THC side, but it is it is legal. It's bought in our state and sold in our state. But um, Delta 8. So I'll let you guys know. Yeah, that will be when I'm here. I won't be driving or doing anything, but uh, I'm going to give it a try. See how see how it works. So, um, probably to it'll be a true baseline because I've never used anything like that. Um, so very Kratz Garage, yeah. Stuff is okay. You prefer McGuire's, Mike. Oh, Mike. I mean, I would definitely value your opinion. I've used, um, God, what is the other? Um, I don't know. I've ordered from another company, but uh, okay, yeah. There's actually, yeah, a little rolling, well. You know, I think Ron put a put an ad or, or showed me like a link. I got to get something that I can kind of sit on and roll around the side of the vehicle to do like the panels. So I don't have to be bending over. Plus, I can just do a better job. Um, but uh, I just, I in summer, one of the best things for me always in summer has been have the radio on, you know, psst, 80 degrees, sunny, and, and just get up early in the morning, 
and just start detailing a car, right? You know, just vacuum it, detail out the whole inside, then start wash it, you know, twice, detail, you know, the outside of it and shine up the tires, uh, polish up the glass. And, and uh, so I always keep the vehicles really, really clean. Wisconsin, you know, you got to get the salt off of too from winter, but uh, uh, for me, it's cathartic. I, it's one of those things, it's a start and finish thing. So if my parents lived closer, I would detail up their vehicles, but, you know, they're not as close. And I don't really have, I, I'm not going to take all the stuff mobile and go up there and, and detail them out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I like to do that. Phil's 30 minute warning. So look at that. If you're driving, rub hot peppers on the affected areas. Capsaicea, it's receptors. All right. Delta 8 is alleged to be a homolog or analog of Delta 9. I don't know what that means. Maybe I should have done my research a little bit more. So I did. So I ordered the Delta 8. A Delta eight. I, I went to the place in Wisconsin that grows us when we were up north. And uh, they, so they grow the hemp and they do, they do everything on site. So, um, and that's where I ordered from. And I had talked to, to them and stuff like that too. So anyway, um, I feel good about that, but it's kind of an experiment at this point to see how it goes. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. So and I've been debating whether to do like a, a show on that to do a reveal, you know, here's what the package looks like and here's what this tastes like and here's the effects or whatever. And I, I don't know if I should do that or not. So it is, le it is legal, not illegal. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. That's the unspoken reason to wash detail your vehicle, to check up close if there are things that might need tending to down on the Yeah, there's a, you're right. There's a lot of things. I On our Impala, we had a little bit of rust that was starting on the bottoms of the doors. So I sanded those down. I wouldn't have picked up on it had I not detailed the vehicle. So I sanded those down and uh, primed them and painted them and had a little body work I had to do, a um, little rust, just kind of easy cosmetic stuff because I caught it early. But, uh, yeah, I mean, checking it, you know, just really paying attention to your, your vehicle kind of inside and out. But uh, a super detail of the ride is a feel-good labor. It may make the ride last longer, but the result of a super clean, polished detail ride, it does. Yeah, it makes you feel better. Like, I, I do feel pride. I put the vehicle's out on the lawn, um, 
hang on here. So, da -da, the Eep from Eponiwa. So, somewhere over the rainbow. All right, guys. This was um, last summer. What do you think? That's my yard. So there's my uh, there's my lacrosse, 2017 right there. There's our 2022 Envision. So after I got done detailing both of those out, I put them on the grass because that's when I shine up the tower. To the tires because I don't want to get that stuff on the driveway. But uh, yeah, so you can tell um, I put a lot of time into into cleaning these things, and uh, and I you know I have like a shiny. I ordered a special chrome frame here for the license plate in the back. Looks really cool, and then I have one on mine, but it's I think I ordered that too, but it's not nearly kind of as nice. This one is a really nice, I forget where, it's someplace in California they machine it. Um, but uh, I have like a, I have one on the front too. So, but here's our all wheel drive Envision. That's a great vehicle, by the way. That is a, that is a great vehicle. So I've got a hitch on mine. Da -da -da. But uh, we bought both those new, bought this one few years ago I got that one December so but we keep these a long time so there they are but yeah I work in detail those out so Ron is saying looks better than our auto dealerships around here yeah so pretty cool Pretty cool. Silicone does not really wash off. True doc. So mom had a had a terrain. Yeah, yep, GMC terrain. So um is the exhaust leaking? No, everything is looking good here. Nothing, nothing, there's no rust on either of these vehicles. So, um, it's cool. So yeah, you know, it's fun to, fun to do that. So for me, that's a, it's a good thing. Coolio. All right. Well, if you haven't done a thumbs up, we have 19. It'd be good to get 20 thumbs up before we shut the show down. So um, this is show 198 of the Safety Doc podcast. So yeah, there's a lot of shows out there. And now it's going to be easy when you go back because some of them weren't numbered. Although like I knew the order of them, like so I only numbered like the first hundred and then there was like a stretch of like 50 shows I didn't number. And then I start numbering again. But um they're all numbered 
now as I've gone through and done the resaving process. Um, they're out there in audio on Podbean. So if you go to safetyphd.com and you, you've got a, you know, 500 hour trip ahead of you, I've got you covered. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I appreciate that. I am going to, you know, bring on the uh, hemp uh, manufacturer, hopefully on the show. We were talking about that. Be bringing on some other guests. Um, I got, I want to, you know, make sure I, I get to 200 shows before the end of the year here. I got two to go. So uh, figure that out a little bit of how I'm going to, the topics I'm going to do. But uh, yeah, today again, you know, we had a, um, this, this was a, especially, you know, you go back to the, the beginning of this show. Here we have a uh, kindergarten girl. Um, her, her school district said, you know, you can't be here if with a CBD oil for your seizures. We'll, we'll come to your home. And uh, it actually went to the circuit court, the Ninth Circuit Court. And they said, nope, school, you've got to allow her to be there. And they did a, um, you know, a stay or injunction or whatever. And so they could have the medication there, the CBD oil. We got into how we use that as a case study. So, all right. All right. Good. Well, everybody, I'm uh, wishing you well. Um, and I am going to uh, take us out of here, but have a terrific rest of your night. Terrific uh, tomorrow. And uh, all right. Well, let me do let me do this first here. So, dun da da. All right, everybody. Have a, have a good one. And I will uh, see you soon. Thanks, and thanks for uh, bearing with the ads on the show. And someone has to be the twentieth thumbs up. Whoa, it's Ron Wayne. Whoa, that's the Kentucky Batman. Whoa. How were the beans and chili that you had for breakfast? They were delicious. Thank you for asking. But now I am very gassy. I'm sorry to hear that. very bad. I have to open the window. Oh no. My cap flew off and it was sucked into the engine. Holy smokes. The engine just cut out. We should use the decide model to help us make the right decision. Mayday. Mayday. I am declaring a beans and chili emergency. Please advise for landing. Flight 019er, two miles northeast. Turn left at 90. Maintain 4,800 to establish an approach. chaos erupts. Torrents of conflicting yet urgent messages gush from media outlets, 
What is the magnitude of the incident? And what should people do to protect themselves? Dr. David P. Perodin teaches you how to prevent mental burnout by observing indicators and building a robust member check network. Reporter James David Dixon of the Detroit News proclaims, the velocity of information will empower its readers. Drawing on current events, history, interviews, and scholarship, the velocity of information is an education in the way people react and adapt to change in this fast-spinning world. Never has it been more important to sift facts and stories for truth and meaning. There are teachable moments on every page. Buy The Velocity of Information, Human Thinking During Chaotic Times. Available from your favorite bookstore or online retailer. Describe the odor. Is it like when something electrical is burning? And so on. Ridiculous, right? We don't shift the investigation to the reporter. But that's covertly what the school district thought needed to happen to prevent their investigation scrambling principles from burning out. And as this paragraph smolders, it would be prudent to consider bringing students with disabilities from the sidelines of safety and center them to active roles of detecting and reporting threats. So we had a rather difficult meeting. Upon due diligence of examining the reporting system, I informed the district representative that I could not justify modifications to the existing model as such changes would make the system less accessible to students. Well, that was a short chit chat. The district folks believed or hoped that the threat input system could be modified and maintained with fidelity. I wasn't in alignment with that hypothesis. And so I was thanked and given notice that our partnership would be over at month's end. Business is business. But in school safety, it's never as simple as that. Hi, everybody. This is the Safety Doc with a face validity check-in here on March 31st, 2020. Bellevue, Washington has started a tool to report stay-home violations. This is from the government website in Bellevue, Washington. So we're going to scroll down here to my Bellevue portal and then to report gatherings. They've made it convenient. There's a map on the right. You can drag a location over here into address, write a description, and then also include photos. This is a practice we've seen in some areas of the country, but it's going to be more prevalent. Look for it in your area probably in the next week or two. Holy shit. A ghost. Mm. Um, do, do you mind moving out of the way? You're blocking the TV. Oh, shit. Sorry, man. It's okay. Thank you. 